I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen. Gentlemen. We are live. I'm glad. I don't want to be dead yet. Man, I hear our intro song, and, and it makes me smile a little bit, but today I was uh, listening to a show called Ostrich... Uh, Nico, he's on ostrichflight.com. You mm-hmm. know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Do you know what the intro music that he uses for his podcast is? No, I haven't actually seen a full episode. Josh, you know the uh, song, like if you get a video from iFly that... Oh, yeah. That, the, the same the same music that's on every video from iFly yeah, you ever get. That's <laughs> fucking Nico's intro oh, really? music, God. dude. That's, uh, a, that's a funny troll. I never... Like anybody that flies in the tunnel just turns it off because they're... No, no, I can't watch this. this is, dude, well, I, I no, get sick of hearing that song, but I, it was on Nico's podcast, and I'm like, I'm fucking listening to <laughs> laughing at it, man. So a uh, good quick shout out to my buddy Nico. He actually has uh, been more active lately putting a show together. Ostrichflight.com. I'm not sure how to download it. I just listened to it on my computer as I was playing it. Um, I think he's got like 15, 20 episodes in somewhere around wow. there. So I remember you talking about it a while back. So. Yeah. Super good dude. Uh, started, I think, around the same time we did, uh, but really was sporadic early on. Uh, got super consistent and then went on a cruise as a tunnel flight instructor. Uh, so kind of you know missed a few episodes sure, that way. Sure, sure. Um, but man, real quick before we get started with Mr. Josh Gerard, this episode is brought to you by the Rating Center. The Rating Center, uh, we are a ratings company. We train tandem instructors, AFF instructors, coaches. Uh, really been expanding a lot lately. Uh, our recent guest, Chris Fudala, was part of that expansion. And uh, Nick, you've seen it. Lately, we, we've diversified ourselves enough where we can do three or four things in any given day. Running two coach courses, canopy training, canopy coaching, canopy courses, tandem instructors. A lot of these things are happening concurrently. Hey, I kept the belch off the mic, man. Hey, that was really nice. You really <laughs> covered that one <laughs> up oh, well. Man. Classing it up. Oh, dude. I, I always like hold the mic away when I belch, and Nick's like, no, it's not helping yeah, at, at, at all. At first, he would just burp over his shoulder. And I don't, you know, I when we very first started the show, I was the only one that had headphones, right? So I was the <laughs> oh only God. one that really knew what it sounded like. Yeah. And he's sitting there like he would just look over his shoulder. <laughs> and so I'm like, dude, you're not hiding that yeah, from anybody. Not. Everybody hears what's happening. And so I think it, it probably went on a handful of times before I told him that. And then I think yeah. it's got progressively better. That oh. There's less and less of an audible belch. Even <laughs> like when I'm pouring ice into a rock, rocks glass or something, I'm now learning. I just got to turn this mic off when I need to make noises like that. <laughs> um, the Rating Center, we do canopy courses. We do canopy coaching. Just a bit of everything. Well, let me ask you, what's your favorite course to teach? Oh, fucking a easy. AFF instructor rating course. Why? Um... Number one, I'm getting paid to fuck with people. <laughs> I get to jump out of an airplane, flip, tumble, flail, and spin, and say, catch me if you can. Now, in all reality, we train you to get there. We don't just do that right away. That's a lot of fun. But the part I enjoy the absolute most is giving back to the sport, growing the sport. It is something I've always been into, and I can't think of a uh, more exponential way than to look over in any student training area and seeing in some places four or five people I've trained to be instructors now teaching the future generations. Josh, who taught you how to skydive? 
Uh, my uh, AFFI was Matthew Peterson. I taught Matthew Peterson how to be a coach, a tandem instructor, and an AFF instructor. Yeah. I'm your granddad. <laughs> well, well, I don't know about that. But I mean, <laughs> it's a little weird when you put it that it's, way. Yeah, it, but it's super cool for real. No, absolutely, absolutely. To look at that because Matthew's kind of like your skydiving dad. He's kind of brought you mm. into the sport. Yeah, and that's a hard one right there. Not, no, he's brought you into the sport a little bit. You know, he's he's got to help train you. Sure. And I had something to do with that somewhere. Absolutely. So AFF instructors ha- have one of the largest impacts in the duration of the sport, and, and to give to that exponentially is probably my funnest thing I know how to do. So uh, I've noticed that almost everybody passes your courses. So do you think that that's because you have higher requirements for preparation? Uh, yeah, he only takes on students that are oh, man. of a caliber that will the easy route. A huge part of it is is I do. I, I really push a much higher standard. USPA's minimum standards for these courses are acceptable, in my opinion. I, I think they're good enough, but I don't think they're great. Um, I think they do work, and, and I think a lot of people get ratings that shouldn't. But for the most part, if you're not ready, I, do, I convince you not to take the course. If you're not ready, I'm going to sit there and tell you, hey, this is where your weaknesses are. This is where your strengths are. This is what you can do to enhance those strengths and get better at those weaknesses to prepare for courses. Well, and, and what, from what I've seen is that also that, you know, it's like the coach rating. You know, everybody that, that may get a coach rating doesn't necessarily become a coach, at least not, you know, not a space. Oh, for not sure. anybody that knows, you know, that, that knows what their skill set is and, and what their level is. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to get a rating. It's, I think it's another to use it, yeah. uh, to, to be in a place where you can use it. Once upon a time, people uh, failed courses a lot more than they do today, and some of the uh, quote-unquote old-timers will say it's because we're giving away ratings today. But Badge protectors. You know, 15, 20 years ago, it was certification courses. You showed up and you tested. Today, it's training and certification courses. You showed up and you are trained to do the job. We're going to thoroughly prepare you for that test. You actually took a coach course with me. I did take that coach course, yeah. And would you say earnestly that you got trained to pass those tests? Yeah, and you know when I signed up for the coach course, I think I had a pretty different uh, understanding of what I was actually being prepared for, and so uh, I would say I was even a little bit blindsided by some of the information, but f- felt uh, very well prepared uh, to to. I think what I noticed most about your course was your ability to teach someone how to teach, and not just presenting the information, not just say, "Hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing," but "Hey, this is how you're going to show this information to someone else and have them actually grasp the concept." I appreciate that, man. That that uh, a coach course is effective communication of skydiving skills to adults. If you come to any rating company, that's what it should be about. But for sure, if you're working for the rating center as a coach examiner, Chris Fudala, Valerie Marvin, uh, Hank Pruitt, these are our coach examiners currently. These guys and gals all have a high level of communication skills. They, they really believe firmly on what it takes to make sure information is received. A lot of people instruct. I can tell you what to do all day long. Sure. Not everybody teaches. Teaching is ensuring a permanent or a relatively permanent change of behavior in an adult. Well, at least in adult teaching. You can teach a child, allegedly, children. <laughs> it's called pedagogy. Uh, or andragogy in this case. No, adult, uh, adult yeah, learning. Yeah, exactly. Pedagogy, adult. child learning. Man, you sound like a pedophile. No, that's a wrong word. Peda. Peda, peda. So, yeah. So they're, they're very big on that effective communication thing as I screw all that up. Uh, the Rating Center, man. Check us out. TheRatingsCenter.com. T-H-E-R-A-T-I-N-G-S. Center.com. Pe- people know how to spell. So here's you, you the ratings that, I think the with an S, right? Yeah, the that, that's the problem. Center. Now, you know, here's the thing I shouldn't care about. I own the rating 
Center.com as well. Does it direct to yeah. the ratings? Yeah. Yes, it does. Um, and then I also own the ratings Century, C E N T R E dot com For because these goddamn fucking Australians. Oh, I, oh. I center love, R-E. Yes. I, I love my Australian friends, my other English accented friends, and they spell center differently. Oh, yes. And we have a lot of affiliation to a lot of, uh, of sure. Australians, so I actually have to own Century.com as well. So uh, check it out. Come take a course with us sometime. Uh, see what's going on. DQ is actually doing canopy coaching now. Uh, he'll be teaching uh, actually his first official canopy course in the beginning of July. So uh, we're growing all over the place. All that being said. Josh Gerard, how you doing? I'm hanging in there, sir. You hanging in there? Yeah, I'm doing good. Dude, we had some plans recently to have some different guests, and I think the hardest part of this show, Nick, is getting guests to actually follow through with showing sure. up. Um, some of them think yes, and then they kind of get intimidated and say, no, I changed my mind, and I get it. And some of them have legal issues and can't show up because they can't drive legally. <laughs> That's one of our guests right now. Um, like, uh, can I Uber? Can I Uber? Yeah, yeah can I? Can I like drive? To, yeah. Or you just uh, can't leave the county? Like, is that? That's I see. Wrong. I'm not sure which one it is for this person, <laughs> and I'll, I'll ask them when they show up. So, kind of last minute, uh, Nick. I think I didn't even send you a message. You sent me a message. I sent you a message saying, "What do you think about having Josh Sherrard on you?" <laughs> and how did I respond to I that message? I think you didn't respond to me until you had <laughs> confirmed that he was down to do that about four minutes later. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's a few minutes, and, and literally when Nick sent me the message, I'm like, fuck yeah, I don't know why you're asking. It, and Nick said, we had a conversation, I want to continue on the air. You know, the, the irony of it, I was actually at the police station <laughs> when I sent him this text message. So, uh, so someone stole my identity recently. And why? Why would they? <laughs> yeah, want see, to steal this is the same stupid fucking bullshit response that he gave to of me. Of all identities. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, like you and then like Ben Nelson. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't get people. it. Did Ben Nelson have his identity? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, oh, you're shitting on Ben Nelson. Yeah. I catch. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Anyway. Is that not what we do here? Someone opened up a fraudulent Verizon wireless account in my name, among other things. And uh, <laughs> Verizon will only let me dispute the charges if I have a police report filed. That's fair. And so I went into the police, uh, the, the yeah, the police station in Houston, and I think that, <laughs> I bet that was a fun time. It really wasn't that bad. It that's was good. raining really bad, and uh, I was the only person in there, oh, so that's, it wasn't that's wasn't a bad. big deal. But uh, yeah, I think that's what reignited the, nice. the thought, and I was like, oh, maybe. maybe. And I, with how fast DJ responded to me, I thought for sure that he had already spoken with you about <laughs> it. But uh, but no, it was just that fast. Uh, and Josh, I appreciate it because I called you randomly. Sure. I think I asked you. Was the it question. a phone call? Proper phone call. Proper phone call. All right. Proper yeah. yeah. Phone call. I, uh, for the most part, I want to ask guests in person. Um, I can't ask every guest in person uh, because some of them are traveling. TJ, we're still trying to hook up. He, TJ's trips have fallen away here twice now. That'd be fun. We do that through messages. It's just quicker and easier. Um, but I, I like the in person. I, I like to get that voice to voice or face sure. to face. So, Josh, we got you here today. Uh, one of the things that we don't have on the show as much is just your, man, it sounds maybe wrong to say it this way, but your average everyday sure. fun jumper. And it's very easy for myself, it's very easy for Nick to forget that where we work and where we live every day is your Disney World. Absolutely. And you see, you say absolutely, absolutely like it's the best place in the world. A- and I have to, I spend is. fucking 60, 70 hours a week there sometimes. Sure. Nick, probably more than that. Um, have you ever done the hours? I've never kept track. No, oh, my God. I mean, I show up at quarter till eight any morning I'm there. And if I show up at quarter till eight and Nick's already been there for how long? 
Uh, I usually show up about seven. Okay, but that's to get a workout in. So yeah, I exercise oh, yeah. before work. Yeah. yeah, and then it's not uncommon that you're there till sunset. A lot of days, yeah. It's a good day. Yeah, so it's a long time there, so it's easy for us to forget. Like, man, this is a really cool place for y'all to be. Well, and I think that's I think that's fairly consistent with a lot of. I mean, any place that you know that that people work at, like it's somebody's job. You know, and, and it's also somebody's, maybe it's somebody's destination, you know. So, actually, Disney World, I'm sure, people that work there, it's their job, you know. So, it's, while it is Disney World, it's still somebody's job, you know. Mine's no different. Hand me that thermos next to you, to next to, yeah. Um, so, let's, before we get too much into the skydiving and why you get away, let's get to the job for one second. Okay. What do you do for a living? Uh, so, I'm, uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 Kick doors, slap babies, and shoot people in the face. Wait, so kick <laughs> doors, <laughs> slap <laughs> babies, and shoot people in the face. Yeah. That's a good that's, combination. Sounds like that's a uh, porn yeah, star that's, to uh, me. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's a Tuesday. So uh, that's a, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so I've I've been a police officer for about thirteen and thirteen years and some change. So, and police officer, we'll, we'll get to a little bit more more about that in a second. But I just I'm really proud of myself. Sometimes the stupid shit I do. Did anybody read the hashtags on? Today on this episode, uh, I posted I on Monday. I did. Did you notice it? I did. Yeah. What What was it? When pigs fly. Yes, yeah. I was hilarious. Yeah. Um, man. Spe- speaking of which, and we talked about this earlier, like the description you wrote sounded like the back cover of a self help book, or, or like <laughs> about like. Was it cheesy? Was uh, it no, it was just it was like this, like or like a like a Nicholas Sparks movie that's about to come out. You know, I mean, it was just like a, you know, it's like in a world, one man. He's lost faith in humanity. That's the voice I hear when I type yeah, this. Yeah, I'm <laughs> the, sure the it movie is. Phone guy? I'm sure it is. The movie is the movie. Now phone we follow Josh as he discovers positivity and r- unicorns and <laughs> rainbow piss and I mean. Dude, speaking of unicorns, did you see Jimmy Wynn's picture of him with a fucking with the cat? Oh, that's so awesome, man! Oh yeah, the cat in his so fucking overalls. It's so fitting. <laughs> the the man in his, in his uh, he had what was it like a yeah his overalls in a yeah. little pocket. I'm like oh god. Yeah, it was perfect. Jo- uh, Nick, are you pulling up what I said there? Is that what you? Uh, I'm gonna go after that picture of Jimmy because I don't think I've seen it. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> phenomenal. It's his, I think it's his profile picture. So the, you being a police officer, first of all, how original are pig jokes? <laughs> oh, you know, you, you don't get tired of hearing them in, until like day two. So yeah. <laughs> because you're you're actually super cool about it because sure. I think probably most of the DZ still does jokes with you all the yeah, time. Absolutely. And we see a lot of police officers out there. We see a lot of different you sure. know, law enforcement guys. And, and some of you guys are kind of like, oh, great. And you actually usually egg it on a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's if that's the worst that's going to happen, I think we're all right. So, yeah. At least we're ready. still talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's, it's a whole other thing when you walk up and everybody runs like, oh, shit. Yeah. Josh is shh, here. Shh, Fuck. Shh, Goddamn. Mark. Mark. <laughs> so that's kind of your job, I think, is what brought up this episode. Your job, if you're actually watching this on Facebook Live... I think Nick is actually sharing Jimmy Wynn's picture right now. That's, a, that's, that's quite the photo. <laughs> that's quite the Jimmy. Oh, my God. Jimmy is a phenomenal dude. Wait, wait, was there more of a story behind this than I'm than sure the there is, and I don't know it, but I want to know it. Have you like, ever seen Jimmy wear a T-shirt with a cat on it at any time in his life? Yeah, a lot. Every day, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I think that's really the best part of the, of the joke. Man, I, I would love to talk to him and have him on and ask him about his... Uh, Journey through the vertical elite challenge was that was that my call the right thing? Yeah, the world record challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah the world record camps. Yeah, man. Uh, a th- I mean, he didn't make it, and that's a bummer. But the thing that I love about Jimmy is the spirit he keeps oh, up man. through it all. Super positive about the whole thing. You know, yeah. I mean, I could imagine a lot of people being 
being you know pretty bummed out you know or pretty just kind of kind of distraught and you know like oh man maybe i'll try it next year but he's like nope going to another camp nope going to another camp yeah you know and i, I mean it's a great obviously it's a great attitude to have but i mean even if you don't make it even if you had no plans to make it what a better place or, or you know is, is there a better place to to improve your skill set and to to learn i mean you're around literally the vertical elite you know, so when you when you talk about getting to fly with with those people and getting to to advance that skill set, man, there's just not a lot more better, a lot of better places to do that. There really, uh, there isn't, and you know, failure is a chance to learn. Failure is a chance to grow. It's such a cliche, but cliches exist for a reason. Sure, it's very real. And getting down kind of comes back to your job. Mm-hmm. You're a police officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, can we say specifically where and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. I mean, it's not a secret. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure because you're all over social media. You're sure. captain at Galveston Police Department. Mm-hmm. And what's your specific title there? Uh, so I have a few. Um, uh, my primary one would be the operations bureau commander, so uh, or patrol commander. So if they wear a uniform, they work for me. Okay. Uh, I'm also uh, with Galveston SWAT. Been with Galveston SWAT for. 11 years and some change, and I'm, I'm currently the commander of, the, of Galveston SWAT. And then I'm also the department's public information officer, so media relations. That's the one that I, that I was trying to get to and think of is, mm-hmm. is the public relations. You're all over the place. You're sure, all absolutely. Over. Which also means with those two previous job titles and then the third one, you're involved daily with some of the mundane bullshit of humanity. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, it's we we joke, and of course we all joke about it. But you know, you're you, we deal. If you've ever heard the supervisory term, and I'm sure you guys have. You know, 90% of your problem is 10% of your people. You know, that's that's as a supervisor, as a manager, that's that's the the, the relation. You're always dealing with that 10%. You know, you're trying to to get them up. It's no different than what we do in society. 90% of our problem is 10% of our people, and it's those 10% that we're constantly dealing with. Um, and that gets uh, you know, and that's so that's generally all we see. You know, a lot of us. I, I'm in a I'm in a different situation where I get to interact a lot more with a, a much larger set uh, of the public than most of your patrol or street officers. Most of them are they're out answering calls to service. They're out, you know, arresting crooks, looking, you know, looking for burglars, looking for, um, you know, murder suspects, whatever it might be. But they're constantly. I mean, their job is to go out and interact with that 10%. Every now and again, they get to they get to interact with with the, you know the normal public through you know wh- whatever means that might be. But generally speaking, they're out there. Um, you know, day in and day out, uh, you know, and especially the guys that work nights and, um, you know, that work nights for half their career. I mean, now you're not even seeing normal people drive around. It's just you're literally out there interacting with, you know, some of the worst in society. With if, my friends. If we can start a little earlier, I'm, I'm really curious what uh, what motivated you to, to want to be a police officer in the first place. Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. So, um, you know, some of it was, uh, you know, some of it was, hey, I want to help people. Um, and I think that that's always, you know, any, any, anybody, any cop you ask, you, you hope they say, I want to help people. How, to a how old extent. are you when you, when you make this decision? Uh, 23. Uh, yeah. 20, okay, 22, 20, 23. 22. I want to help people. I think well, I no, be. that's a small part. The okay. small part. So the, the larger part, I think, was, man, I want a job that's exciting. I want a job where I'm not doing the same thing every day. I don't want to sit in an office. Um, I want to do something that's going to challenge me, that's going to challenge me. Uh, physically challenge me, you know, psychologically. That's going to help me grow as a person. Um, and and you know, a lot of a lot of that's that excitement. You're young. You're 22, 23 years old, and um, you're wanting to do something that's that's uh, you can get out there and, and and learn and 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 really grow as a person and really grow and and have so many opportunities to do so many different things. You know, it's not. Um, 
you know, I mean, there's being a cop is just the kind of the label, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many different, it's like skydiving, you know, I mean, there's so many different avenues. It's like, you know, oh, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm a skydiver. I get it, but what do you do? You know, oh, well, I, you know, I free fly, or I, you know, I'm a videographer, or I, you know, oh, I'm four way, or I, you know, do this. I mean, it's the same thing. So there's so many different avenues. So I figured it was a career path that would keep me engaged and keep me active. You know, like okay, well, I can do this for a little while. I can be a street cop for a little while. Maybe I'll go and detectives or go in narcotics or, you know, there's just so many different things uh, to do. So I think that really kind of really kind of draws people into is just the the vastness of, of what they can really get into. And have you had a pretty diverse career? Or? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I started on patrol. Everybody starts on patrol, and I, I worked patrol for about five years. And uh, then you know, I'm uh, I was really big into into teaching and training and um, and training myself and then training others. So I, I ended up moving into the training coordinator spot. So so basically, the, the person that's in charge of, of departmental training and making sure everybody gets their required training. Um, but you also get to train the new kids and, and do a lot more of that too. Uh, I worked in administration, which sucks, um, but it's uh, it's one of those things that helps you grow, um, you know, career-wise. So it helps you check those boxes so that you understand how the department works. Uh, but then I got to come back out. I ran my own shift for a while uh, as a lieutenant, and then uh, and then now I'm, you know, I'm where I'm at. So so on patrol for five years. Mm-hmm. What what does your average day look like as, as a patrolman, police officer? Yeah. So uh, so you get there, uh, you go to what we call lineup or roll call. Uh, so basically, that's where you're giving your assignment. Hey, this is the district you're working, or maybe you're working a special detail that day. Uh, you go out, you load up, and uh, and you hit the street. So Galveston is amazingly really busy, um, and it's not just the tourists that make it that way. I mean, obviously, we have so the island has seven million visitors a year, um, and growing this year is on par to be you know probably closer to eight. So uh, seven million visitors a year. Um, but our busiest months aren't during the summer when people would think them. I mean, some of them are, but some of our busiest months are February and December. Um, so it's busy no matter who we have. So uh, on average, our a Galveston police officer will answer two to three times as many calls as a Houston police officer will in a given year. So um, the guys are busy. The guys and the girls are, I mean, they, they're out there. So in an eight hour, when we had eight-hour shifts, you would answer 12 to 15 calls for service a day. Average call for service lasts 37 minutes, so you, you can do the math. Um, uh, now that we're on, you know, we work 12-hour shifts now, that's closer to 18, 15 to 18 calls per day. So, um, so you're, you, as a patrol officer, man, you're, that's, what, that's your primary job. Your people are, we dispatch an officer every seven minutes in Galveston to a 911 call, every seven minutes, 365 days a year, 20, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So, I mean, you're constantly, you're clearing one call, you might have a few minutes, and you're getting sent to the next. You're clearing it, a few minutes, getting sent to the next. How many did you say a day that was, ballpark? Uh, right now, about 15 to 18. 15, 18, Nick, what were you saying? Well, I was going to say, how, how diverse are these calls, the things that you're oh, being man. called out for? So, And that's kind of really what separates Galveston from a lot of places. You know, Galveston is is diverse, uh, not only in its population, but in its in its type of people. So, um, you know, kind of in its makeup. You know, you take a place like, like uh, Pearland or, or League City, they're kind of bedroom communities. Not a lot of industry. A lot of people leave, um, you know, to go to work and they come back here. So Galveston is actually quite the opposite. We... Um, so we see an influx of twenty-five to 30,000 people a day just to work, so that come to the island to work. Um, so we have a lot of industry on the island. Um, then we have a lot of entertainment, you know, entertainment district on the island, um, along with, and then we have the tourism. So um, at one point, Galveston had the, lo- right before the uh, Hurricane Ike, we had the largest Section 8 housing population per capita in the state. Um, uh, and we still have a large, you know, a large housing population down there. So you, as an officer, you're dealing with, um, you know, uh, hey, I locked my keys in my car. Hey, I was down here visiting the beach. I locked my keys and in my car. And someone calls 911 for this? Oh, w- without a doubt. Without a doubt. The, the reasons, so 
you know, I grew up, you know, in Jesus. a, oh yeah, no, I grew up in a fairly, you know, a, a sheltered environment. I'm not afraid to admit it. I was, you know, uh, I don't, th- I'd never called 911. I've, I've still to this, well, I may have called like 911. DJ, how many times have you called 911 in your life? Once. Yeah. I didn't need to. I was a child <laughs> playing a childish prank, thinking that 911 was a prank call. So this is most people, most yeah. people, that, you know, but I, then, I was like eight. but then there are some people that it's, I mean, it's, uh, lock my keys uh, in my car, the dog's barking, um, uh, I mean, I, it, it's just uh, uh, today. Two raccoons <laughs> are holding me hostage. I am not kidding you. <laughs> I got a call from Dateline, Dateline NBC, not out of Houston, out of New York, because somebody heard it on the radio. Two raccoons holding a family hostage. So it was literally two juvenile raccoons on somebody's porch, and they were scared shitless of these raccoons. <laughs> and so yeah, so so I mean so so, there, so there's that, um, but then of course uh, so you'll get that, um, and then you'll get you know hey you know I've been shot four times uh, you know we've we've had a lot of stabbings recently, a um, couple shootings you know I mean I mean a couple shootings just in the last couple of weeks I mean, um, I mean we run we literally run the gamut um, of types of calls you can get you know people. People come to Galveston, they call them Galveston years. A year in Galveston is generally equivalent to three or five anywhere else is what you're going to see um, as far as types of calls. You know, a lot of accidents, a lot of majors, a lot of fatality accidents in Galveston. Um, more people die on that island, I swear to God, than I've ever seen. Like this year, I don't understand. Um, January and February, it's just people dying left and right. And, I just, I, and a lot of it was accidents. Some of it was natural homicides. Uh, a lot of suicides this year. I don't, I don't really get that, but, um, but uh, yeah. How long does it take you to get, like, desensitized to that? About eight minutes. So, no, <laughs> I um, mean, eight minutes every time or eight <laughs> no, minutes no, of eight being minutes a police into officer? Your career. Okay. Uh, no, it, it's, uh, you know, it's different for, for some people. It's different for everyone. And it depends a lot on their background and, and kind of how they, you know, what, where they grew up and what they got exposed to, um, you know, before that. Um, but, and some people, they don't. Uh, you know, I mean, I had a... Uh, one of my buddies had a uh, had a trainee years ago, and and uh, first phase he's, he's caught for about a week, and then they they went to this major accident. It was bad. I mean, it was an auto ped, um, so a car hit two people in the street and killed them both, and um, and it was it was gruesome. It was gory. Uh, it was bad, and so the officer went out there, and the, the trainee he did what he needed to do, and and you know a couple of days later he tells the officer, man, I, I'm just not, you know, I, I'm just having issues, you know, with what I saw out there, and and you know the officers, you know, tried to help him out, and. Um, you know, that ended up, it was just too much for him, and he, he left about a week later. So, and some, so some people don't, um, but it definitely, you definitely have to, if you're going to stay in the job, it's just, it's just part of it. You, you've got to be able to, to separate yourself from, from what's going, you know, from the, from the moment, from what's going on to, um, or else you just wouldn't be able to function. Right. So, you, these 15 to 18 calls, some of them are just shenanigan bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Raccoon told them me hostage. That's exactly. exactly. I, they're not giving me my Big Mac back, stuff yep. like that. Yeah, absolutely. So what Without percentage of calls do you think an officer in a given day sees is just bullshit, just a waste of time? You know, it's it's different, but you know, it's it's probably a third. A third? You know, it's it's definitely, I mean, most of the calls we go on are, are, are legitimate, um, you know, and they're, they while we may not play, take police action, it's not not necessarily a bad idea for a police police officer to be out there. So, um, there, I mean, but there is a large portion that's that's just I never would have thought of calling the police for for some of the reasons that, that we go out. So. so, so how are you met? How are you greeted by most of the people who you not, interact with? Not well. Um, so, and, and we tell this to to trainees, you know, in order to try to to try to you know condition them, I guess. Like you got to realize that you know it's not like being a fireman. You know, you're not there. You're not there to save the day yeah, all the time. You're not, you're not pulling a cat out of a tree. Any time that we go out, so 
my Thursday, it's my Thursday. I just finished lunch. I mean, it's just my Thursday. The next call I go on is that person's worst day of their life. Worst day of their life. Most of the time. I mean, you think about it. That's okay. probably that person's worst day of their life. And I'm going to go to that call. And the next call I go on, that person's worst day of their life too. So that's what you deal with on a regular basis. You're meeting people on the absolute worst day of their life. So, you know, that's where it really starts to kind of to kind of pull on you a little bit, you know, is, is um, so, so generally how you're greeted is, I mean, imagine your worst day of your life and that's and how you would, you know, and it depends. It depends on if you're greeting the victim of, you know, that's, that's obviously been, you know, something's happened to them and, you know, you know obviously they're upset. Uh, they want something done, uh, you know, so they're, you know, most are glad you're there in, in that particular moment. But then there's always somebody that's not, uh, you know, if, if somebody's glad you're there, then there's somebody that's not going to be glad you're there. So, um, you know, you, you generally have to take that both into account. So I, I, I'm really curious as to how long does it take for <laughs> these interactions to have an effect on your attitude and the way that you view people in general? So, yeah, so it depends, you know, it depends on your resiliency, you know, and, and everybody has their individual resiliency and um, their individual resiliency level. But um, for some, it doesn't take long. For some, it can literally be, you know, months. Uh, like I said, we're, we're, so, we're so busy down there that it's... Um, um, it can happen very quickly. If somebody's not doing what they need to do to stay positive, not being, you know, not separating yourself from work um, and doing other things outside of work, being with other people outside of work, uh, doing that, those things that, that, that they do to, to, to maintain their own mental health, um, it can happen very quickly. And then that first for others that, that have a release, that have a way to, to pull themselves out of that, then, it, then they, they maintain more resiliency through the years. And, and it takes longer, but, it's un, but unfortunately for the vast majority of people, it's going to happen at one point or the other. So is, is this part of your like, actual training at all, like when you're in the police academy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, and it, what's the, the great part is, 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 you know, t 15, 20 years ago, it was, if you, if you talked about, you know, in the, in the, in the industry, if you talked about, you know, oh man, it's just, it's so hard. You know, they would, they would tell you to suck to, it up buttercup. Yeah, absolutely. Freaking kick rocks, you know, or, or yeah, just, you know, suck it up. But, but now in the last couple of years, the industry's really, really starting to, to progress and realize that, that. You know, not not only do we, do we got to worry about the mental health of the citizens that we deal with, we have to worry about our own. Um, and so, there's a lot more programs now to to, to really try to uh, promote, um, you know, a, a healthy uh, a healthy uh, work life balance, um, and to make sure that that officers are that may officers are um, uh, you know capable of doing of emotionally, psychologically capable of going out and doing the job without um, without it being uh, physically or yeah, physically detrimental to themselves. So I've noticed the last couple of years there's a lot more media coverage about police sure. shooting people. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Do, do you think that uh, that's happening more often than it used to happen? It's or do you not. think it's just being covered in the media yeah, more often? absolutely. So a lot of times when I teach, especially, so I, you know, I, I teach a lot of police classes, but I also teach a lot in the community too. I teach a lot of citizen classes. Um, uh, one of the classes that I teach is a citizen response to active shooter. So um, basically for... Anything for businesses, organizations, cities, churches, uh, whatever it might be, you know, whatever group wants to come hear it, um, we'll give a class. Me and one, one, of, one of my buddies will, will go and we'll give a class about how to respond to an active shooter. And so I'll ask them at the end of class, I'll ask them who here, depending on the age group, and, you know, most of them are, are older. Most of them are, you know, in their 30s and 40s. They're not kids. But 
Um, and so I'll ask him, like, who feels, who felt safer in the 90s than you do now? I mean, and I'll ask the same question to you guys. Do you guys, do you, did you feel safer in the 90s or do you feel safer now? What do you think, DJ? I feel like I was more ignorant in the 90s and don't know how I, I safety was not on my radar. So, so, and sometimes ignorance is bliss. So, I mean, so in, in subsequently, you probably felt safer because you didn't, you didn't I know. mean, I feel safer today because I live in a bedroom community of the suburbs. Sure. In the 90s, I worked in a pool hall in the Mexican <laughs> hood in San Diego in the barrio. So I'm, like, I, yeah, every barrio. now and then you see me go come in the video room and joke with the guys. Because I re- legitimately worked in a pool hall in the middle of the Mexican hood. So, I mean, sure. So, so the, I didn't feel safe. So I asked this because most people felt safer back then. They thought it was yeah. safer. It is not. You are exponentially safer now than you were in the 90s. You are exponentially Why? less the, likely the to be killed. The murder rates have all gone uh, down crime, dramatically. Yeah, right? crime in general. Violent crime and property crime has descended uh, since the early, since the, the mid-90s, early mid-90s. It's, it's, and this is nationwide. And actually, Texas is ahead of the curve when it comes to the nation. So we've actually de- declined even more than the rest of the nation. But nationwide, crime has gone down. We are honestly... Uh, we ran the numbers, the, the the UCR reports from earlier this from last year. We're we're at an all time low since really we've been keeping records. What's so UCR? A uh, uniform crime report. Okay. So. And what is it that's going on? Why do you think? It's oh, down? it's the it's media. It's proliferation of of media. And I mean, we're in the information age, right? So, um, you know, everybody wants to know everything that's going on. So, um, you know, one homicide in, you know, New York or, or Massachusetts. Now we're hearing about that like it happened next door. You know, here, they're hearing it in California, they're hearing it in Nevada and Colorado. So in the next murder, you're hearing about it, too. So when, you know, and 20 years ago, that might have been in their newspaper, but you never would have heard of it here. You never would have heard about what's going on up there. So the proliferation of media and, and the information age and, and just the ability to communicate this in so many different formats and so quickly um, has really, I think, has, has been the main the main driver for, um, you know, most of society not not feeling safe. So... Like Nick, I, I really would wonder, and I thought, man, a lot of what I see on social media and the news today is just police bashing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, straightforward, just that. So I would think the media is almost your enemy, and, and that's yeah. part of your job. But in what you're telling me is as much as that evil comes with it, there's so much greater good to that media attention. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, you know, there's – I don't – and Holly will kill me for this, but um, – uh, there's no like I don't believe that the media is evil. Um, they just have a job to do, you know. And that's and that's <laughs> and that's coming from somebody that's that's had to deal with them for the last six years, you know. Uh, being the PIO and being in, in media relations, you got to realize that it's a relationship. It's all about a relationship. Public information officer. Yeah. Sorry. Keep yeah, me yeah, up. PIO. Yeah. So it's all about it's all about building that relationship, you know. So. Um, so I have a relationship with a lot of, uh, of reporters, a lot of different news outlets, you know, all over the greater Houston area. And, and, and that it's realizing that they have a job to do. I have a job to do. I understand that they have a job to do. So when they ask me questions that they know I can't answer and they bug me about it, I don't take it personally. I get it. You're trying to do your job. And when I tell you I can't answer that, you understand that, no, he's just doing his job too. So it's about building those relations. Look, they're looking for sensational stuff. I mean, it, unfortunately, media news isn't what it used to be. Um, News is here to sell airtime. That's what they're. That's their job now. I mean, they're they're privately owned industries. Um, you know, they're here to sell advertisement space. So, um, like like any other TV show. So, 
what a better way to do that than to try to try to sensationalize things. And that's that's not always bad things. I mean, yeah, sometimes it, you know we catch a we catch a bad rat and it sucks. Uh, but sometimes it's a great story. And a lot of the building relationships allows you to, you know, like, yeah, you know, they come down for, for you know, like the, you know, this, this, this thing we had this week, the little, little Jane story or something like that. And, hey, I get to see this. Hey, what's going on? You know, um, you know like Jack. Oh, hey, what's going on, Jack? Oh, good to see you again. Um, you know, down the road, because we had that relationship, because, you know, I, I gave him, you know, information that was really helpful for them. I might be able to call him and say, look, man, we got this really, really cool story that, you know, about a cop that did X, Y, and Z. And, I know normally it wouldn't be the biggest news, but I mean, it would be, be really helpful. You could, it could help us out and run it. And, you know, by building that relationship, they're like, yeah, man, no problem. We'll, we'll clear a spot. We'll come down and we'll run it, man. I mean, That's great. cool. So, so it's, it's about, you know, it's, it's a really a symbiotic relationship when it comes to that. So, well, so uh, when, when these stories are really big in the news, like the negative police shooting stories, mm -hmm. does that change how the average person who you talk to treats you? Sometimes it can. Um, I think average is is a tough, you know, it's a kind of a, you know, tough place to put people, but, um, it definitely changes the, um, you know, the perception from the body, uh, of people. So, uh, you know, we teach our, we, when we train our cadets, we teach them very early on, you know, we, we train them and, um, you know, when one screws up, well, they all screwed up. You know, if, if you did something, you left your binder somewhere, well, everybody's doing push-ups, and, you know, so it's that, it's that, uh, you know, mass punishment kind of thing. And, it, and it's difficult for them to understand at first. Like, well, I didn't do anything. He, you know, he did it. Why am I, why am I paying for it? And then they cry because they're millennials. And, and uh, <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, and we have to give them like a safe space. And uh, I can't believe that most of that shit is real. Oh yeah, it's safe it's spaces real. and being triggered and oh, yeah. I thought that so I, I listen to the Rogan podcast pretty often and I really thought that uh, a lot of that stuff was just like almost no. a joke that you just make fun <laughs> of of like this all. hypothetical thing that might exist somewhere not and then all. you see videos of you know protests and things happening and it's like so much of this is part of the regular vernacular of talking about a safe space talking about microaggressions it's like <laughs> How the f where did that become real to anyone? It's insane. So, so we do these. We do this mass punishment, and they don't understand it until later when they realize that, you know, like uh, so, so I'll be up forward with you know up front with it. So we arrested one of our own officers back in February. Um, it was a bad deal. It was a bad deal. Um, but we jumped out in front of it, and and we knew that when we're going to arrest him, and we're all paying for this. We're all paying for it. We're going to catch up. You know, hopefully the the fact that we. We were the ones to develop the case. We were the ones to make the arrest, you know, helps. But we know we're going to catch a black eye for it, you know, because he represents, not only does he represent our department, he just represents the profession. So, you know, when, when we, when, you know, a cop screws up in Massachusetts, we're going to feel it. Um, you know, when one screws up in L.A., man, we're going to feel that. So, um, so it sucks, but it's important that early on that, that trainees, that cadets understand that your actions will dictate what happens to this entire nation's profession, you know, if you screw up big enough. So um, it's really important that, you know, that, and all officers understand that. So it's, it's not like you can just be responsible. You're responsible for your own. I mean, you're responsible for your own actions, but you're not going to, if you decide not to be accountable and not responsible, you're not going to be the only one that pays for that. Everybody is. When it comes to officers who, who are given a bad rap, a bad knock, how much of it is on duty and how much of it is people not representing themselves well off duty? Yeah, so, so I'd say a fair amount of our discipline is for off-duty conduct. And it's, and it's, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, oh, I'm a cop 24-7. Yeah, I, you know, like, I mean, in ways you are and ways you aren't. 
but when it comes down to it, when it comes down to your behavior, you know, like like me, it's it's difficult. It's difficult for me to separate myself from that police department. It's just because everybody knows who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't. You know, like you know, my Facebook page. I've been tagged. You know, it's just. It's so. I mean, you're here on a skydiving podcast, being a cop. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you can't absolutely. get away from so, it. Yeah, but I didn't know you were a cop for quite a while. In, in, uh, in your defense. Well, and it's which just not is something. Why I like you. Yeah, that's great. So, <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, it's not one of those things that, and it's it's not that I'm definitely not ashamed of of uh, of what I do or anything. It's, but it's just one of those things that it's. I try not to let it, you know, really define the whole of who I am. You know, I mean, um, you know, I've got a lot. I think I've got a lot of things going on. So. Uh, so, you know, it's not something that, you know, I'm just going to come out and be like, oh, hey, DJ, my name's Josh. I'm a fucking cop. You know, I mean, that's just not, <laughs> it's not how I introduce myself. You know, like uh, Justin, you know, we're talking about Justin, Justin Modlin. Like, uh, dude, I flew with him in the tunnel for like a year and a half, like almost weekly. And um, I think it was the little Jacob story that dropped. And like he saw me on the news. He's like, and I saw him in the tunnel. He's like, dude, I had no idea. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, I'll do a little bit of that, you know. So, um it's, you know, it's like I said, I, I just don't want it to define my whole person. Mind you, it's, it, I'm extremely proud of it, and it's, it's what's got me here today. But, um, you know, it's not, I'm not one of those guys that just wants to go out and advertise, you know. To you know you're very discreet, I don't think is the right word. You just, you live in whatever moment you're in. When, yeah, you're, at dro- when you're at the drop zone, you're a skydiver, so you live as yeah, a skydiver. absolutely. Now, in, in skydiving, in the tunnel, in any part of the world, there's various types of people. And some of us do things that uh, a cop would like, and some of us things do do things that cops wouldn't like. Sure. How many of your friends have actually found out you're a cop after they've probably said things in front of you that they're like, uh... Oh, there's probably a fair amount, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but... Or somebody will be like, they'll start talking to somebody like, hey, hey, sh- shut up. Shut up. He's up. Yeah, like... The fuzz is right there. Yeah, like... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You smell what's cooking. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, some of them do, but, you know, but that's, that, you know, that brings, and, th- and that's the other reason I don't go around, you know, just like, you know, I'm, the, I'm the police, I'm the police. Is, you uh, know, people act differently. Sure. They do, you know, once they find out, they, they act a little differently. And my goal is is to, you know, is like, you know, like, like Justin, like he didn't treat me any different after than before because he understood who I was as a person before. Um, you know, because people do tend to define you, you know, after that. I'm like, oh, man, you know, I, I don't want to talk around him anymore. So, you know, so you just try to, um, be who you are and be, be who you are as a person and then yeah oh yeah that's my job that's what I do so well, yeah. yeah but but like out of the drop zone you know I mean it's you know I I, uh, I you know I don't I'm sure some, some people do treat me a little bit differently and that's and I'm fine with that you know but yeah. but it's I, I hope they understand too that I'm there to I'm, this is I'm there to have a good time man I'm there to skydive I'm there to be with be with people that I enjoy being around and and uh, I'm not I'm not there to work so I mean unless somebody starts stabbing somebody and then it's, I'm going to skin that smoke wagon and go to work. <laughs> skin that smoke wagon? Skin that smoke wagon and go to work. Have you not <laughs> seen Tombstone? Uh, yeah, come on. You oh, both I have think homework. That's no, I'm, no, I'm there. I'm with you. Tombstone's not before you. Uh, How old are you? Late 80s. 32. It's late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I was born, I was born in the early 90s. Yeah. Early 90s. Don't remember. Sorry. But I, I want to get, uh, just rewinding a little bit, uh, back to what you were talking about of most of the people that you interact with is on the worst day of their life. Sure. That, that you come to a lot of people when they're in a pretty low place. Is that sure. fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. So, and that, but that becomes your normal reaction mm-hmm. or your normal interaction with most people, right? Yeah. So, how does that skew your view of humanity? So, I mean, so like I said, you know, unless you, unless you, you, 
for the guys that go out and work the street every day. I don't want to know about the guys. I want to know about how this how this affected your your personal me. life. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. All right. So me personally. Sorry. I did, just a macro view. So, um, so for me, when I did work the street every day, uh, that's all I did. So I'm originally from the Metroplex. I'm originally from the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, I, I graduated high school up there. I went to Texas Tech uh, right after I graduated high school. So I was out in Lubbock. And then while I was there, my, my dad's job ended up moving my parents down to the Houston area, down to Lee City. So when I graduated, much like most college graduates, I had no job and nowhere to go. So uh, so I moved down to League City. So And then I got a job working for the police department six months later. So I knew absolutely no one. No, I mean, no one. I knew my sister who had moved down, and that was about it. And so when I got, when I started working for Galveston, those are the first friends that I made, you know, really were the people that I was the other police officers there. So for the first, you know, s- several years, seven, 10 years, you know, or eight, seven, eight years, the only people that I interacted with were other police officers. I really didn't because I didn't have any other friends locally. Yeah, I'd, I'd go home sometimes or I'd go back to Lubbock and and see my, you know, my ah, friends from college, friends from outside of the, the industry. But for the vast majority of that time, I was only around them. So um, when you day in, day out deal with deal with that section of society and then when you on your off time when you go you know decompress and you hang out with people that deal with that section of society that all have the same complaints absolutely it's just this it's this echo effect and it just kind of it's just a snowball and it just rolls downhill and it rolls downhill and so um so it's it's really easy to just and it's a very slippery slope so it's really easy to just be like man everybody i deal with is like this everybody Everybody that I interact with, all the people they deal with are just like this. So it must be everybody. You know, this is just how everybody is. So, um, you know, you start you start not wanting to deal with people at all. You start not wanting to be around people outside of the industry because you don't think you can trust them. Um, you don't think that you know that you think that they're that they're going to be out to get you. Um, they're going to lie to you. Um, you know, you just you, you just really don't give people a chance um, because you just you're just like oh everybody you know everybody that I deal with and everybody that my friends deal with. Everybody that I interact with, you know, is, um, you know, around this 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 part of society. So it's um, it's real easy to just it's easy it's lazy it's it's the laziness it's it's just real easy to be like well I guess everybody's like that then because you're not you're not taking the time to go outside of that that sect to go outside of that um, or that section of, of society um, you're just being lazy is really what it comes down to. Um, it kind of brings you uh, into the sport of skydiving, Nick, and, and get back to if you want, but. I know you, and I see a very upbeat personality. Yeah. Some people, uh, a friend of mine, Tammy Gertz, just sent me a video of, of some dude driving in his car, talking to a cell phone camera, going, you're awesome. I don't care what's going on. You're awesome. You know the video I'm talking Did about? Did she see me driving down the freeway? Yes. <laughs> and so Tammy sends me the video going, I don't know why, but this reminds me of you. And I've had probably five or six of my friends send me the video of this dude over the last two years telling people how awesome they are. It's the same fucking video. I think of you when I see that video. You're very positive. You're very upbeat. You're very into making people feel better about themselves. But when you started skydiving, did you always feel that way? Is this a, a sh- did, did skydiving give you that shift? Yeah. So you know, I've always I've always tried to be a, a positive person, and I've always tried to find the, the positive nature. And and you know, through the years of of work and dealing with that, it it was really difficult. It was very challenging. Um, and so there's, there's periods of time where I was just like, I'm not even gonna try, you know, I mean, this is just, this is who I am now. So, uh, but you know, but then, uh, you know, later, and, and a lot of cops go through that. A lot of cops go through this, you know, five to seven years, you, you kind of go in this lull, you know, where you're just like, oh my God, you're just disgruntled. Um, you know, you haven't found a way to kind of pull yourself away from that, you know, away from that negativity. So, 
um, I, you know, I kind of I started kind of coming out of that and realizing, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna be more positive. You know, I'm not gonna worry about things that I can't control. Um, and that's when I got into skydiving, and um, it has no doubt um, made me. I mean, just geometrically, a more more positive person. I, uh, you know, I got into skydiving because of the skydive. Um, you know, that's why I think that's why most people get into skydiving is the skydiving, and then most people stay in skydiving because of the community. Um, and so I got into skydiving because of the skydive. And uh, when I went through STP, uh, my f- my very first jump, uh, you know, I'm coming in, and, and Matthew's, you know, I just met him, and he's gonna, you know, start gearing me up, and you know, just start start prepping me for Die Flow One, and, and I had a backpack with all my stuff in it, and I'm like, hey, hey, where can I put this? And uh, he's like, oh, you can set it right there underneath the you know, student table right there in, in, the, in the main hangar. And I'm like, it's got like my wallet and <laughs> cell phone. And he says, no, it's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. I'm like, really? Like, yeah, trust me. It'll, it'll be fine. So I'm like, okay. So I left it there. And, you know, that, was that really uh, like a point of stress for you? And absolutely. Concern? There's no way. I mean, there's no way. And, and uh, there would, yeah, there would have been no way I would have left that. St- I mean, who's stupid enough to leave that stuff around? And that was kind of my attitude. So. Um, oh man. All right, I'll do it. So I left it there and I came back at the end of the day and it was all there and I was just shocked. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, throughout the, the STP program, I remember I left, I don't know, it was probably dive flow like nine or 10 and I'd gotten a visa too. And, and I left it on the student table and, and I go home and I'm like, oh shit. And so it had been a few hours that I'd, I'd realized and I call back up there. I call up manifest. I'm like, Hey, I left an altimeter on there can, i know it's probably late and it's probably gone could you check and and she's like oh is it you know have, have a camo i was like yeah yeah it's you know, she goes oh yeah somebody turned it in about an hour ago i'm like are you kidding me like i mean this just this was shocking to me um and so this was kind of like my first like wow you know this is this is kind of crazy and uh, so so then as i as i got into skydiving mean, i realized just just how positive everybody was and, and how how much everybody just wants the best for everybody else you know i mean it's very, very few times have I seen it in the last, you know, three years. Have, have I seen, you know, anybody be, be cutthroat or anybody just be really, really shitty with somebody for absolutely no reason, no, no, you know, for no justified reason. And, and the times that I have seen that, you don't see those people for very long. You know, they kind of weed themselves out of, out of the community or at least out of our community. So, um, you know, the, the 99.9% of people are just, they're there to, they want people to, to everybody else to be better. They want everybody else to have a great skydive. They want to, you know. When I saw, when I started seeing, getting deeper in the community, I started seeing, um, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, uh, you know, Third Coast got a page. Hey, uh, I got a buddy, you know, I'm from Chicago, but I got a buddy, he's flying into to Houston. You know, can somebody give him a, is there any way somebody can give him a ride from, you know, the airport to, to Spaceland? And you had like eight people jump on and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right here. I can give him a ride. And then you have people like, do you have a place to stay? Because you can stay with me. I got an extra bedroom. I'm like, you don't know this guy from Adam. This guy could literally be a serial rapist, you know, and, and you would have no clue, but you're letting him stay there. And so that, you know, that just struck me as, as like, wow, they're, they're actually, they're people that, that trust other people. But then that, that led me to believe, holy shit, there's trustworthy people, you know, that the vast majority of people you know, it, it's, it can be trusted, you know, and, and uh, that this community really breeds that type of person. You know, it, it breeds it, and then it encourages and rewards that type of behavior through, you know, through reciprocation. So, um, you know, that's, you know, over the last few years, man, I've just, I've really been able to, to, to grow spiritually, not spiritually, but uh, emotionally, uh, you know, psycho- uh, psychologically, and realize what true balance is, you know, and realize that, um you know, the, the vast majority of people are, are, are good, you know, and that, you know, they're, they're, uh, 
they, they want the best for everyone else. Do you, do you feel like that that uh, realization and that uh, attitude goes back to work with you? Without a doubt. W- without a doubt, 100%. Um, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier for me to go, and especially in what I do, and, you know, especially as much as I interact with, with the public and the normal public. You know, I can go into a room, you know, I'm going to go, you know, if I'm going to go to, uh, like I spoke yesterday uh, for a luncheon, you know, just about you know, just some, some police topics. And, you know, I can go into that room and realize that, hey, you know, this is a, these are upstanding citizens in this community. These are good people. Um, you know, I don't need to treat them like, you know, like, uh, like everybody, you know, like the, that 10% of society. So um, they probably all like me. You know, they, they probably all like the police, you know, um, it, that it's okay. So, um, you know, interacting in that fashion is now, you know, just, uh, it makes, it makes it a lot easier for me. And then the greatest part is I'm able to, uh, you know, as a, I'm not saying I'm, I'm some great leader or anything, but um, just, be, you know, as a, in the position that I have and, and um, just who I am at work, I get to go back and, and if I can show everybody else there, like, hey, this guy's positive. Hey, this guy's been here a while and, and he still hasn't sucked started his pistol. So, like, you know, he's, what is he doing? You know, how is he, how is he separating that? So, um, if I can go back and show them, like, hey, you know, like, you know, not everybody's a shitbag. You know, you don't have to treat everybody like a shitbag, you know. So, um, you know, I, one of the things, and, and as I, you know, I'm, and, and my wife will attest, but I'm, I'm at work a lot. I work a lot, you know, and it is, it is what it is. And, and, um, um, but as much as I can, I try to promote a good work-life balance and I try to promote, you know, Hey, uh, go find a hobby, you know, go do something outside of, outside of law enforcement. So I'm really curious, uh, how you feel about, uh, like your average citizen going on a ride along. How do you That's think? Blast. Sometimes <laughs> it's a blast. Sometimes well, it's, it's. I mean, a do you, annoying. how do you think that, that? What sort of effect do you think that has on uh, how the average person views a police officer or the job of being a police officer? Yeah. So um, generally, so when we do ride-alongs quite often, and uh, generally when we do them, can you take a friend on a ride-along? Absolutely. Oh, so you're you probably not going to ride along with me unless you just want to do a shit ton of paperwork. So no, I'm just playing. Um, but yeah, we can take a friend on. Like if you guys want to come down to a ride-along, we'll, uh, we'll get you on a ride-along. So. <laughs> Like, like, you guys can't see it in Nick's eyes. It's can, just like, oh, can I tell you? No, so <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Moob used to try and get me to come on a ride along yep. with him. And I think my biggest concern is I just don't want, uh, like, I know when I have friends out at the drop zone, let's say I knew that I had a bunch of friends standing at the beer line watching me swoop. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go just a little bit harder than usual, you know? Yeah. I'm going to show off a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I think about that same attitude in a police officer of, like, what's this person going to do horrible today? <laughs> Boys like to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, that, that's what concerns me a little bit about going on a ride along yeah. is I don't want one of my buddies to fuck somebody else's day up for my own enjoyment. Like, you know? watch this. I'm in. It's going to suck for him. <laughs> um, you know, there's, I don't think there's a, there's a whole lot of that. There's just not a lot of room for a whole lot of that. And, and to be honest with you, like, the shit you're going to see, like, we don't have to, like, elaborate on. Like, it's just that crazy. You know, you're just going to be like, holy shit. And you're like, yeah, this is freaking Tuesday, man. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's, we're not, you're not going to have to, like, you know, like, like crank it up to 11, you know, it's just like 10's good enough right now. Like, this is like, you're going to be like, oh my God, this is freaking crazy. Is cops real? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, so, they don't have to fish for this footage. This happens no. to you nonstop. No, so cops came to Galveston in 1998, um, and they spent two weeks. So Galveston used to be a lot different than it, than it sure. is today. It used to be very, uh, we were the oldest police department in the state of Texas. So we were the very first municipal police department in 1839. So you just change your uniforms. I did. Yes, we did. So <laughs> I saw that video, I think. Mm, yeah, you like it. You were so, sexy. <laughs> well, I tried. So, um, 
So, uh, so, so there's a lot of heritage. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of you know a lot of a lot of uh, lineage there. So, um, a lot of times we were kind of the last to to progress in certain tactics and, and ways we did things. So we were a little behind the curve. So, so they came in. Cops came in 1998 and they filmed for two weeks, two solid weeks. They got barely enough footage for one show, not because there wasn't enough going on, but because they were afraid people would get indicted for what they'd put on TV. <laughs> so, um, so like, oh man, you were just really beating that guy's ass. I don't know that we can I don't know that we can show that. So, so y you know, w when cops comes We're down, bringing you the new look of the Galveston police. Oh, is that it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so when they come down, you know that you have you have final editing rights. So once they say, "Hey, look, this is the this is the edit that we're going to put," you can be like, "Oh hell no, you're not." So, so after that episode, cops and the Galveston Police Department agreed that it's probably best that they don't come back. So, so they 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 really haven't. But no, it's definitely not like that anymore. One of my favorite parts of any episode of Cops is you can watch the show and it's guaranteed that somebody is going to be in their underwear. Oh, as yeah. soon as you meet them, not like get there. Well, no, you the meet funny, them that way. Yeah, the funny part is, is that pretty much happens on a daily basis. That's not That's like, oh, question. we're saving this for cops. Like, one, people die naked a lot, <laughs> a lot. Like, I'm, I'm I, about to die. When I'm I d taking my clothes off. Yeah, when I die, I'm going, I'm going to like put on more clothes just to confuse the hell out of people. So, uh, right now, uh, Nick is actually sharing a video mm -hmm. of uh, the operational uniform of yeah, Galveston so police officer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did I say that properly? Yeah, it's something like that. I don't know. It's, it's I, just a name I came up with for the I, video. I watched so. the video, and that's all I know. So, but yeah. Um, man, I gotta go back. Yeah, I had something, and you made me. F I for I made me forget. Um, naked people. Yeah, I was gonna ask yeah. for more <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Naked like we dead just glossed people. over that. Didn't yeah. we? Like well, one of my favorite. I'm gonna ask about naked dead people, but a, a buddy of mine. It can I, be live. It's I don't fine. know where it came from before him, but he brought it to Texas, and I've every now and then in Texas, we'll hear a jumper still push for this. <sighs> if I ever have a malfunction that I know oh. that I'm gonna die, if I ever realize I'm gonna go in and free fall. And I have nothing but time left. I'm going to pull my shoe off Stuff and it down ship your it shirt. down my pants. <laughs> oh, down your pants. <laughs> yeah. And so people go, what the fuck is a shoe doing in his crotch? The FAA just can't close it. Like, we just don't get it. We investigated the shit out of this, and we just have no clue. So a guy named Adam had brought that, and, and I, like Rory Corgan still propagates it. There's quite a few people. <laughs> so so you find dead and naked people? Yeah, well, you know. Naked. So, so there, it's not just dead. They're, they're alive and naked, too. I mean, it's just... I guess I guess just, that's the condition to be in. But um, hold on, this leads me to another question, just real quick. Uh, How long good. does it take you to start making jokes about dead people? Ooh. I mean, is this like first day? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, like, good. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. It's pretty quick, though. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. But that, that's got to be part of a coping it's, mechanism that's, to, that's to deal with it. I mean, that's how I was going with it. Like, you've got to, you've got to find, you've got to find humor. Like. Uh, you got to find humor in it. So, um, all right, tell me more about naked dead people. So, yeah, you know, for some reason, I just I don't know. You know, some of it, some of it, you know, we get a lot of overdoses in Galveston, and and uh, and a lot of that has to do with getting really hot. You know, like if especially if it's like PCP meth, um, sometimes cocaine, sometimes, but more Jesus. PCP and meth. Like you get really hot, and so people, especially PCP and and all that stuff, and fry wet and all that, like they'll just like I'm so hot, and they'll just they'll start stripping off clothes. And, can can and you imagine where you'd have to be mentally, where I show up and say, "Yo, man, I've got some PCP. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do it?" Yes. And you say, "Fuck that yeah, like let's do that yes. shit and get let's naked do it now." <laughs> so, uh, but apparently it happens quite often. So, um, 
but yeah, so that's a lot of naked people. A lot of naked people on drugs. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. So just naked, crazy people. We have a very large, you know, mental health issue. We have a large mental health issue throughout the nation, but uh, we have a large uh, mental health issue in Galveston. A lot of that's just because of UT. One, we have a large transient population in Galveston, a lot of homeless. Um, we are literally the end of the road. I mean, if you just keep going south on 45, you just kind of run into Galveston. So uh, that we have UTMB, which is, you know, a large state hospital. So so we'll have a lot of people come down for, for treatment and get and get discharged, and they're just like, well, this is nice. This is the beach. I think I'll stay here, you know? So um, so there's a, a large mental health. So we deal with So a lot of mental health people get naked, too, you know? So it's just... It's apparently a good time. So. Getting naked, where it's at. <laughs> it sounds like a party. I, I, like a yeah, party. like we should stop like tasing him and like just start partying with him. So just make everybody happy. You've tased naked people? Oh, without a doubt. Like, anything... We've probably tased more naked people than clothed people. Because you know what? I don't want to fight a naked person. Like, I don't, like, oh, yeah, let's go hands on with this guy. You know, like, no. Let's it's just, wrestle I'm just gonna, Yeah, no, I'm, you know, you're going to run at me. And I'm just like, nah, just, so I'll just put you down. When you tase people, do they ever lose control, shit, piss themselves? You know, they don't. I've never, the only, so the only time I've ever seen that is the one time I've tased a dog. Um, yeah, and it was, it was it was crazy. It's a crazy, but it, you know it's. But I, so I tased this dog, and um, it was during a search warrant. It was a it was a giant Rottweiler. This guy had two giant Rotties, and uh, we go into his bedroom, and he's in there, and he reaches for a gun. Um, so we get on him pretty quick, but his two Rotties are in the room, and uh, we knew he had dogs in there. And so all of a sudden, I, I'm second in the room, and I so I see him reach for the gun, and I see the the point off the the point guy. He's jumping for him. And then I see this Rottweiler just like flying through the air, and it was just I was just like, oh shit, Luke! And I and I ended up hitting him. I don't know how, um, but he goes down, and then I'm like, Hold, and in five seconds, this is going to be the angriest Rottweiler you've ever seen in your life when this taser ends. So I go over there and kind of put my foot like over his head, so if he tries to move, I can kind of kind of keep him down. And this the taser ends, and he is out cold. I mean, he's out, and I'm like, oh my god, like he's just knocked out. And so I end up kind of like pushing him over and pushing him out on the porch. And we do the rest of our deal. And then about 10 minutes later, this dog wakes up. And he wakes up like he's woken up from like a 15-hour sleep. I mean, he just like, you know, big dog stretching. Looks around and then proceeds to take the biggest shit I've ever seen <laughs> a dog take in my life. I mean, like, like he was stacking that all the way out to his ass kind of shit. Like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> So that's the only time I've ever seen that. We we actually tase some cadets today that because they have to have a, you have to have exposure training. Everybody gets everybody's carried a taser gets tased, so they have to do exposure training. So we tased fourteen cadets today, and that was that's always entertaining. So, so um, you you went through that absolutely, during your absolutely. How was it getting tased? It's the worst pain you've ever felt in your life for five seconds. So, I mean, you know, I, I I'm not I'm not gonna have a child, so I, I can't compare it to that. But it's literally the worst pain you've ever felt. What's in your life. the worst pain you've ever felt in your life besides that? <sighs> I don't know. I've broken a bunch of bones. Uh, I, I can't. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Um, I'm I went curious. into muscle failure. I, I got dehyd so dehydrated one time. I went into muscle yeah. failure. If you've ever been into muscle failure, all your muscles just tense up all at the same time. It's a lot like being tased. So, um, but um, but yeah, that's that's probably the second. Yeah. You you mentioned you taste fourteen cadets, or the the department did today. Yes. That's so much fun. Oh, it's so entertaining. Why? <laughs> you just when you get so when you get tased. So tasing is it's not like a like if you buy like a stun gun. You know that stun gun's getting shocked. That's what it is. When you tase somebody, it's 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 neuromuscular incapacitation. So what it is is two probes go into your body, um, and then they transmit an electrical signal that arcs between the two of them. 
Um, and that's what gives it its power is the fact that it's going to travel through the majority of your body, this, this electrical current. So what it does, what it's meant to do is it's meant to tense up all the muscles in your body between the, between the arc and, and generally around it too. So, so when you tense up, every single muscle just, just tenses in your body. Um, I mean, it, it feels like the best way I can describe it is, did you ever play with the, you know, like the balsa wood airplanes that had the propeller and the rubber band, so you hook the rubber yeah, band yeah. on it, and it's bzzz, and it go away. Your spine is that rubber band, um, and that's what it feels like. I mean, it just your your entire back just clenches up, and it's just. I mean, it's just. It's in five seconds. You're like, oh, five seconds. So when I got tased, I remember. I starkly remember remember thinking, "Holy shit, this hurts! Wow, this is the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Man, this is a long five seconds." Holy shit, the taser's malfunctioned. This is way longer than five seconds. And then it finally ended. I was like, oh my God. How much voltage do these tasers put out? I, I, I can't remember. I want to say it's 50,000. Okay. It's not about the volts, though. It's all about amperage. Amperage will kill you. Volts will con- it was actually what tightened you up. Yeah, sure. Well, and yeah. it's so, I mean, you can like, uh, you know, it's, 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 like a, it's like a funnel, right? Like you can have a giant funnel and you can have, yeah. you know, 50 gallons of water in the funnel, but in the, in the water would be the, the volts. But, you know, the size of the funnel is your amperage. If, you, if the size of your funnel is only this big, only that much water is going to come out no matter how much you got. So, so yeah, the amperage is what controls the, the, the lethality of it. Yeah. I uh, electrical engineer through school, and one of the Jeez. things we got to do in school was get shocked by 50,000 volts. One of the things you got to do in school. Yeah. Like, that sounds, <laughs> so sounds like a horrible class. I wanted to compare this to being Tay. So I have been hit by 50,000 volts. It was an instantaneous on-off, doesn't last a second. Mm-hmm. So what I felt for five fucking seconds mm. is now the idea I have. Yeah. And dude, it, it's have you ever? I'm guessing you've never like hooked yourself up to a high power distributor of a car. Uh, nope, nothing like that. Electrified yourself. So <laughs> that's what we did at some point in school. And uh, college was awesome back in the day. Today you would have to have a secret place. Is that what you called it? A secret place to, S- a safe to go space. to your hiding space. <laughs> they <laughs> now make pop-up safe spaces. Oh, is, good. Have you seen that? I need one. Yes. Like it's, it's like the little pop-up tents. You know, yeah. like um, Are there like you know, stuffed like a, animals there that I can hold? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like the pop-up reflectors? Like, like the like screen video. protectors? Yes. Yeah. You know, like the... You know, it pops out, so they basically make a one that's four walls oh, and a little zipper, so you can have a portable pop-up safe yeah. space. It's uh, also meant for when soccer moms go watch games in the bad weather. They oh, can there's hide. that. I want to. I want to jump in one. Like I want to jump out and then just like get out of it. I mean, <laughs> Maybe not. It sounds horribly insane. No, I support this idea. Right person, right place, right time, right plan. Sure. There's a way to do most things safely within like, reason. I need to jump in my safe space. Yeah, so. I'm. I'm. I'm down for figuring this out with Maybe you. Maybe it's, it's something Scott, a space I can offer. Like. If you want to do your tandem in a safe space, (laughs) want to skydive, but you're a germaphobe, Mm -hmm. you can jump as the boy in a bubble. (laughs) That sounds like an amazing idea. Um, God dang it. I can, man. uh, So, uh, Eventually, want to get to this question, and I'm I'm curious. You don't deal with a lot of traffic stops in your job, right? Not anymore. But you have. Sure. You get pulled over. Mm -hmm. People nonstop have suggestions of what to do when you get pulled Absolutely. over. I think you might know my history. I taught traffic school and ran traffic school <laughs> businesses for years. So we dealt with officers all the time, and I got to hear really good versions of what y'all would tell us. Sure. But what people would tell me to do and what you would tell me to do were two very different things. What would you tell the general public to do if they were pulled over for a ticket? Run. Let's say speeding 75 <laughs> and a 60. Run. Not, Run. not for you to have fun. <laughs> yeah, no, for like them to be give successful. Give me something to do. Uh, <laughs> Run, bitch. Uh, you know, I, so it, it kind of comes back to what we're, the discussion we're having about the media. You know, like, 
I get it. Nobody enjoys being pulled over. Nobody enjoys getting a ticket. Um, but it's an essential function of traffic safety, and it's proven that that making traffic stops will make a particular area safer, as far as as far as um, traffic is concerned. I mean, everybody knows it. Everybody knows. Oh, don't drive through there. That's a speed trap. Don't drive through there. They're always running traffic over there. So what do you what do you do down there? What do you do when you go through that that place where they're running Arcola? Yeah. So what do you do when you drive through Arcola? You slow God down. Damn. If the speed limit in Arcola is fifty five, I drive fifty exactly. fucking three. Exactly. So yeah. so you know that. No. So so it works. So yeah. I mean, so so the Arcola being really heavy handed when it comes to traffic. You know, has gotten people. It's, they've got the word out. They've gotten people, and people slow down, and so, um, you know, it naturally makes makes that particular place at least a little bit safer. So, so, so it really comes back to like realizing that like we're just doing our job. We're not pulling you over because we hate you. I promise. So, um, so, I get you. Don't have to be friendly. We're, we may not be friendly, and that's the other thing too. Like. Traffic stops are some of the most dangerous things that, that cops do. More cops are killed doing traffic stops than it's disturbances and traffic stops are the two most deadliest things a cop can do. So so you gotta understand, like, every traffic stop we go on could be the last thing we ever do. You know, and statistically, you know, it's it's likely that if we go out, it's probably gonna be in a traffic stop. So either we're gonna get shot or we're gonna get run over. So when we're not the friendliest of people during a traffic stop, it's because we're just doing our job and we're making sure you're safe, we're making sure I'm safe, and then making sure I can just get back to the car. So um so with that in mind, just realize that, um, you know, if I'm not the friendly, hey, how are you doing today? You having a great day today? Probably not anymore. Um, you know, if I'm, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Officer Shard, County Police Department. You know, you've been stopped because you ran the stop center or whatever it is. Okay. Um, you know, so, and, and then setting yourself up for success. The, the more comfortable you make that officer feel, the, more, the better he's going to feel about the traffic stop and the safer he's going to feel. Um, now, mind you, you have your rights, and I'm not here to, you know, obviously not here to infringe on anybody's rights, but, you know, as a suggestion, um, to make a cop feel more comfortable, um, if he can see everybody's hands, if he can see inside the vehicle, that's the biggest thing, is seeing, you know, with dark tinted windows, a lot of times we walk past, like, it's literally somebody could be just sitting there with a gun, and we'd never see it, you know, and and so, um, you know, I tell people, if, if, if you want to, because it's your right not to, uh, but if you'd like to, and if you'd like to make that officer feel a little more safer, you know, making sure that he can see your hands, turning all the lights on in your car, rolling down your windows, man, that's a huge, that's a huge deal right there. Like, oh man, I feel so much safer. You know, I feel like one, I can see everything, so I know nothing's going to pop out at, at me. And two, this person, this driver, is trying to be transparent. They're trying to be compliant. Like before I even talk to them, I know that that they're going to be compliant. They're, you know, that this is, I, I'm going to feel safer. So, so that's going to help. That's going to help a lot. One of the things that was taught years ago, I mean, I, goddamn, I've had driver's license for 30 years now, is if you get pulled over, turn your blinker on, start pulling mm-hmm. over, and pull over when you're at a safe place to pull over. Sure, absolutely. Today, I see motherfuckers pull over in the middle of some of the most asinine areas yeah. that, A, disrupt traffic, and, and I don't care about that so much, but B it's completely a danger to myself driving down the road with the way mm-hmm. you pulled over and stopped, but also a danger to the officer who's dealing with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and it's, it, oh, well, you should pull over to the right. Yeah, you can, you know, that's great too. But really it's just find a safe spot for you and for him. And once again, making that officer feel safer mm-hmm. will set you up for success. So if, I, if I'm if i getting pulled over, is it still a safe bet to turn on my blinker, get absolutely. to the far right yeah, lane, ab- and absolutely. keep driving the extra quarter mile to yeah, pull into a yeah. safe spot? You know, and it, by, you know, by turning on your blinker, you, you, he kind of realizes, all right, he knows. He's, he's, not, he's not trying to 
run, you know, or he's not just oblivious. Because we get that too. We get a lot of people that are just freaking oblivious, you know, that music's up so loud, we'll follow him for two miles and they have no clue we're back there. So, um, you know, you tap him a little. No, I'm kidding, you don't do that. So, <laughs> uh, that's horribly frowned upon. Knock, knock. So, yeah. So, but, you know, absolutely. No, that's a, that's a great, hey, it's a great If you're not from Texas, feeder roads, our, our freeways have freeways next to the freeways. <laughs> They're called feeder yeah, roads. I hear that's a weird thing. Like, I hear that's. When I moved here, it blew my mind. But literally, on the freeway, you get off the off ramp, and right next to the freeway is normally one to two, and usually two lanes, mm-hmm. and and it feeds the freeway. It's a very functional system. I like it, but if you were pulling me over on a feeder road, there is no safe place to pull over. So for me, turning yeah. on my blinker and pulling into sucks. the next yeah, business, yeah, absolutely, it's you, way better, way okay. better. Yeah. And then as soon as I you pull me over, I'm going to die for my glove box to get my license and registration ready. That's the right move, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, you know, I had, uh, you, you know, so I teach, uh, I teach a license to carry class. I teach uh, the state CHO class. I was going to ask about this. Yeah. So, and so people ask me, you know, we talk about, you know, you have to, if you're carrying a gun, you have to display your, your CHO, your LTC when you, when you get stopped. Um, and I tell people, I was like, look, just pull it out with your driver's license, keep it behind your driver's license and, and hand them both. Don't be like, Hey, I have a gun. Like that is not the proper etiquette. Like, and and I've had people do that. So, and that's really disheartening. So, not so much for me. I mean, they just tell you they have a gun. No, or they present they literally, the weapon. Hey, just letting you know, I have a gun. Like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, thanks for that. But, um, uh, you know, I had one. I I, I had one we, that I stopped and uh, and he. Uh, he just gave me his driver's license, and so I go back and run his driver's license. The first thing that pops up if you have an LTC is that you have one. So when you run your driver's license, like boop, alert, you know, LTC, license he, to carry, yeah, license to carry, okay. yeah, CHL, old CHL. Um, and he didn't tell me, and, and it's fine. You're not required to if you're not carrying a gun. If you're not carrying, you're not required to. And I was like, but most people do, and it's always a good. I think it's always a good idea too, because once again, now it pops up, and I'm like, because you're gonna find out anyway. Exactly, it's the first thing. So I'm like, man, I wonder if he's carrying. I wonder why he didn't tell me. You know, not that he's required to, but is he trying to hide something? You know. So it was, it was late at night. It was back when I was working nights. And while I was in this traffic stop, another officer had pulled up just to, to back, you know, and, and he ended up getting out of his car, but he really didn't approach the vehicle. He's just kind of hanging out there in case I need something. Thankfully, he did not because while I was back running the guy, the guy remembered he was carrying a gun and decided to pull it out. Um, he pulled out the gun and put it on his center console. So as I walk back up to the car, like I see it, and I'm like, what the hell, man? And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot I had a gun. I'm like, yeah, that's great, man. Awesome. So if that officer, you know, if that officer had been, generally when we, when we back another officer, we come up and we'll stand right at the, you know, kind of the passenger side, uh, back mm-hmm. passenger window. If he had been standing there, that guy never would have saw him. He would have pulled out that gun, and that guy probably would have smoked him. You know, and, you know, and, and you know, it would have been really close. You know, it would have been really close, you know, because why, why is he pulling a gun on a traffic stop? You know, so, so. So yeah, you really need to really need to explain that. You had questions about CHLs, Nick. Yeah, so I've just heard it rumored that you're you having a concealed carry permit is a little bit like a get out of jail free card that a police officer is going to know that you're a law-abiding citizen doesn't want to have any sort of an altercation with a person with a gun and you might uh, sure. get away from a traffic stop a little easier is there any truth to that yeah so I, you know i think get out of jail free car might be a little might be a little uh, a little generous but it's definitely going to help. Um you know, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, exactly. People that have those, they have to be law-abiding citizens because they can't have, you know, felonies or certain offenses on their record. So, so they definitely, uh, you know, are law-abiding citizens. They're definitely knowledgeable, generally a little bit more knowledgeable about the law. Um, you know, and, and the whole point that they mostly, the whole point they carry is is to help. So, so it's definitely not gonna gonna not gonna hurt your chances. So, um, uh, but yeah. 
I know one HPD Houston Police Department officer who says exactly what you said, Nick, that these these things will help you. And, and part of his purpose and part of his reason to say you should carry all the time is because one day you, Josh, might be an officer responding to a situation where you're the only person there yeah, and it's more than you can handle. And a citizen might be the backup you have. Sure. I mean, you, you go back is to that, like uh, you go back to the UT Tower Sniper in 1969. 1969. UT Tower Sniper, right? Um, and mind you, this is a little dated, but the team that went to go take care of the UT Tower Sniper was a DPS trooper, uh, two citizens, and I think an Austin PD guy. Um, you know, and the two citizens were the only ones that had long guns. They're like, hey, let's go. And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. So, <laughs> um, and they go and take care of them. So, and I'm not saying I'm going to be like, hey, let's go take care of this. But um, Hey, DJ, grab your, grab your guns. Let's you go. know, when we talk about like, uh, you know, like I always get when I teach active shooter response, I always get the question, well, I have a CHL. You know, should I go after the bad guy? I'm like, well, you know, that's a decision you got to make on your own. But you got to realize that 867 cops are rolling in looking for a dude with a gun. So You don't want to be him. Yeah, you know, and, and it's not going to be very discriminant. So... Uh, you know, generally we tell them, hey, look, you know, you can be the, the biggest protector here. You can, you know, you can take a room full of people and, and now defend them. So it might be the same deal. You know, like, hey, you know, in, in an incident like that, hey, I need you. Can you just defend? Can you just stay with these people that are defenseless? You know, I'm going to go take care of the threat, but defend them since they have no other means. You know, I mean, uh, or, sure. or, 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 you know, not as many means to defend himself. You, you and I have had quite a few conversations about CHLs, mm -hmm. um, or a couple, but very detailed ones, and, and a lot of my friends feel the same way you do. I have this weapon to, to defend myself. Mm -hmm. Defend you and your family to, yeah. and your friends. Yeah. So if anything happens, I'll take action, but until something happens, I'm not going to do a damn thing about sure, it. Sure, absolutely. Because back to it, man, it, it scares me. You're looking for a dude with a gun. That's, yeah, absolutely. I so, got a gun. I mean, I can't tell. I mean, it's not just, you know, like active shooters, things like that, too. I mean, I, I've been, uh, I've gone to, I can, there's two calls myself personally I've been dispatched to where it was a man with a gun call. So people call now and, man, there's a guy with a gun. He's creeping around this house. He's, he looks like he's checking the windows, trying to get in. And I'm like, oh, shit. So, you know, everybody's running hot. And we're like, you know, doing our combat breathing and all that stuff. Like, oh, my God, we're about to freaking jump out on this dude with a gun. And then we get out there, and sure enough, there's a gun, you know, guy with a gun, and, and we're giving him commands, and he's dropping the gun, and, it, and it's a homeowner. It's, you know, he heard something outside, and he came out with a gun and a flashlight checking the perimeter of his house, you know. So it, it happens, you know, fairly often where it's, because we don't always get great information from, from callers and from dispatch. We get the information that they perceive, and they perceive that it was, you know, a burglar. So you, you bring me into a good legal question. I'll be very open. I'm the son of a Marine. Guy's a 28-year Marine. I'm a Texan. I own fucking guns. Sure. Um, if you think a guy with that description doesn't own guns, you're a fool. It's I a fair statement. Don't, I, I play with them. I take them out to a buddy's ranch and shoot them. I go to a range. I have a little bit of fun. Man, if you're a piece of paper, you're my enemy. I, I don't think I'm going to kill anybody or anything ever outside of a piece of paper. Sure. But if anything were to happen and somebody were to attack my house, I feel like I can defend myself. If the zombie apocalypse hits... I can kill an animal Inshallah. to eat. That's that, yeah. Yeah, I'm not thinking I'm going to defend myself. I'm thinking I'm going to eat off these guys. Sure. But if I hear something outside my house right now, it's the middle of the night, and I feel that endangered, and I go out and I'm looking for something with a pistol in my hand, mm -hmm. that's illegal. Not necessarily. Okay. Not so necessarily. I mean, if it, I mean, it's all about articulation, right? So it's all about how you articulate it. If you, I mean, if you if you hear like a scratch on something, you know, but I mean, if you can articulate, it's I mean. If you can articulate that you felt that there was some sort of a viable threat to yourself, to your family, to anybody inside your household, you know, it would be, it would definitely mitigate 
that. So yeah, I mean, by the by the letter of the law, you're allowed to have a weapon in your premise or to and from your car if you don't have a LTC. Um, your premise is technically the four walls of your house, but you know it's all mitigating. There's always mitigating circumstances. So um, you know, look, you, you felt that there was a threat. Um, you're going out. You felt that the threat was coming in. Um, so you were trying to trying to meet it, and I, and I think that that would I don't think you would have an issue with that, especially in Texas. So I'm still. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. well, so we're uh, we're the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, so so it all it all comes down to the Court of Appeals circuit that you're in, and 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 that's really where where legal decisions get made. So like we're a um, our Circuit Court of Appeal, we're a moment in time court. So that means that when it comes to deadly force, so that means that at the moment in time you pull the trigger, did were you justified in doing so? Nothing that led up to that moment can go into the decision if, if that was justified or not. It is that, um, it is at the moment that you pulled that trigger. So I'm illegally carrying my concealed weapon in the middle of the street. You come to attack me with a gun, and there's video evidence from driveway cams that you're trying to shoot me and I kill you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get charged with illegally carrying a weapon because I... Well, you might get charged with it, okay. but they're not going to find that the force used was unjustified Okay. because the force used at the moment in time you pulled the trigger was justified. Now... The other charges, but other circuit courts, like the, the circuit that, that controls California, the circuit controls the Northeast especially, um, they are totality of circumstance courts. So they will take the totality of circumstance. So in that particular case, they may be like, he shouldn't have been carrying a gun anyway. So, you know, his, his use of force was, was unjustified because he wasn't allowed to carry a gun. He shouldn't have been able to shoot somebody. So, so they may find that so it, because they can take all of that, you know, into account. So really, you you just describe the two as totality and moment. Mm-hmm. Moment in time, totality, circumstances. Is that truly defined by the type of court they are, or is that defined by the people running those courts and just happens to be who's appointed? There? It's the decisions that are made by that court. Okay. So it's case law that's it's precedent that is set by that by that particular court. Now precedent can change by yeah. who gets appointed, you know, as those as those judges. But generally speaking, the circuit courts, you know, I mean, the reason that we are in a circuit is because we're you know, this particular area is, you know, is pretty homogenous as far as, um, you know, as far as uh, political beliefs and, 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 you know, beliefs along use of force lines and stuff like that and, uh, and other legal decisions as well. So you're going to see a lot. Now, yeah, it can change or you're going to see little minute changes that, that will equal into a large change, you know, down, you know, 10, 12, 15 years down the road. But, um, but generally speaking, you're not going to get some rogue judge come in and just like overturn all kinds of stuff. Okay, so it really has to be a complete paradigm shift. They they really li- exist in their own their own paradigms. Right. Um, Nick, any more CHL before I, I go back? No, I think I finished my thought on that. <laughs> I I uh, did the uh, concealed carry class. Mm-hmm. Uh, did all the paperwork. Had my fingerprints and everything. Oh, I just no. never sent it all in. Oh, that's because I was so scared about <laughs> sending my fingerprints to the <laughs> FBI. They like probably they probably have. They probably do. So, I mean, like, it's not. I don't think it's a reasonable thing to be paranoid about. But it was just like, hey, man, you want to be on the grid like this? Yeah. That's the thought. You that, that the so, now. Yeah. I, so, so I never sent it in. I have one question for you, Nick. Do you unlock your iPhone with a thumb or fingerprint? Oh yeah. Well, okay. Well, just, and I'm sure you put those two things together. Oh yeah, sure. They exist somewhere, and it's not like I'm wanted for a crime that someone's got my <laughs> fingerprints waiting for a match. You know. To, it Aha. Was, it was fully just like, man, this. I'm letting somebody know where I live for sure, and that I have a gun. Just, uh, I felt like I guess I was worried about being watched or something. I don't know. That's well, it's a f- it's fair. Yeah, it's, fair. It, it's I I was, it's the idea of registering, not registering your weapons. People knowing, not knowing you have what you have. Registering yourself as a gun. I think it's just part of being a paranoid weirdo. <laughs> is what it really boils down to. <laughs> 
I um I definitely don't want to be on a list of people who own a gun. Um, I don't care. Yeah, I, I it's it's. I don't want to be bald, but well, I don't there really care. Is no, there is no list. I mean, there's no list. So yeah. I mean, there is no says, spoon. Says the cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now listen in. When pigs yeah, fly, like, we don't have a list. Yeah. So kind of going back and closing the last half hour of the show out. Can you believe it's been an hour? I know, right? Yeah. Um, we uh, skydiving has really brought you back to humanity. Yeah, absolutely. Skydiving, and, and I, I, I wanted to ask, but you did a great job of describing what is it about the sport that gave you hope again? Yeah, it's without a doubt, it's hundred percent the, the community and the, and the people that that make up the community. I mean, it's just, um, you know, I got into skydiving to to once again because I love the skydive, you know, because I love the, you know, for me it was it was uh, that moment of um, of of truly being in the moment, you know. Was there a special occasion for your first jump? Uh, no, you know, my, uh, my first jump was, you know, we were trying to pull it. So my first jump was actually like in 2006, my first tandem. And DJ was there, and we can't remember. So my, my now wife and I, um, uh, we had just started dating, and so, you know, I want to do something crazy, so like, hey, let's go on a skydive. So, um, so we did our first tandem, and you were either her or I's, T.I., and I, and I just can't remember. And uh, there's a video somewhere. I hope I took it. her. She's hot. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I wouldn't love <laughs> Have her, you so. seen his wife? No, oh, is she a police officer yeah, as well? Yeah, she was in that video. Okay, that's what watched. I thought yeah. I saw. I was like, man, is, is, is she wearing his... Yeah, uh, yeah, his yeah I just... <laughs> hey, honey, come put on my uniform and, yeah. and, uh, and she, we're yeah, at home. She's good looking. Nice job. Yeah, that, you know, I, that's, that's definitely a win for me. So. Uh, my favorite photo of your wife is the picture of you next to her at a show pointing at her saying I'm yeah. tapping that. Yeah, she just did a she just did a uh, a bikini uh, comp, a fitness comp. So, um she did a I, I'll tell you what, man, that's that, that was rough. I'm I'm super proud of I don't what think, she did. I don't think calling it a bikini fitness comp is very fair. It is a fucking fitness yeah, it's competition. Like it's, a, it's part of a bodybuilding competition. It, it, it's so. Fit bodybuilding, not bulk, man. She's definitely right. And there's different shape. there's different classes, and yeah. you know. And but she did it. I mean, the, the the amount of work that went into, you know. I mean, she, we meal prepped forever. Um, I mean, just the the dedication and commitment. But that's kind of that's why we work. That kind of what drives the both of us. We're both very competitive. We're both yeah. very, uh, you know, kind of driven by each other. Um, you know, to 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 better ourselves. So, um, so that that really that's really part of that's kind of an integral part of our, our relationship. So so back in 06, uh, 06 yeah. when you your first jump, we actually had smaller logbooks about this bit. Mm-hmm. I only know this because this past weekend, a student who jumped in 07 with me uh, visited the drop zone and she saw me and couldn't believe that I was still there. Neither can I. Um, and I saw her logbook. It was super cool. Do you guys not have that logbook? Yeah, it's here? somewhere. And we were trying to find it. We, we, we spent like 30 minutes trying to find it. And it's in a, and it's in a, in a Tupperware bin somewhere. I just can't I find it. I've got a note, man. Please find it. I'm I, trying to. I'm I, definitely uh, trying to. So It would really make me your granddaddy. Yeah, really no, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we went, on this, we went on this tandem. And I was like, oh, this is freaking rad, you know. And yeah. it was so cool. And, and then, you know, I just, with work, and I just started. And so we weren't making a lot of money, you know. And so it just, it really didn't kind of. I really didn't get into it. And then I went on a second one. I guess it was in about, like, 2010, 2011. Uh, one of the guys that I work with is his bachelor party, and mm-hmm. we all came and, and went skydiving. And uh, I once again, I still have no clue who my TI was on that one either. But um, but I remember. So there's about five of us. And so we all get on the same plane. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was last out. I, I do remember that. So I was last out, and one of my other buddies was, you know, of course, we were all, you know, five in, in a row. And, and we get out, and... We get out and we do the skydive and uh, we, you know we we're under canopy and right as we're under canopy my TI says uh oh 
And like, that's never a good thing when your TI is like, uh oh. And I'm like, shit, what? And he goes, oh, no, your buddy's about to get a free ride. And I'm like, what? And he points, and he points just kind of, you know, down to about 90 degrees and, and off. And I look just in time to see the chop. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, he's like, oh my God, you know. And, and uh, I, I, they had like a line over something. I can't even remember what it was, but. Um, but I was just like, holy shit, that was awesome. Man, that is awesome. How many, DJ, how many jumps did you have before you got to see a cutaway from the air? Mm, damn, dude. I don't know. I can't re- I can re- the, the first one I remember, I remember distinctly because it was fucking crazy. Um, I was doing a tandem, and the student in front of me cut away at like 700, 600 feet in the pattern. No, they oh were on God. their base leg of their fucking that's, pattern and cut away. You know, I haven't been this far that long, but that's really frowned upon. Dude, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I know I've seen cutaways before that from the air, but I'm on a tandem taking this dude on a skydive. I'm like, hey, yo, bro, see that dude in front of you? Yeah, that's your buddy. His buddy's in the student program. His buddy's doing like maybe level four, solo God. jump, doing turns with Valerie, my wife. This is in Indiana. Valerie's an AFF instructor. Like, yo, there's your buddy. He's in the pattern. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to follow him. So we just start the pattern. This dude's on his base leg. And I go, oh, oh. And the guy's like, what, what, what? Oh, oh nothing, man. Your, your <laughs> buddy's parachute way. just like he, he cut away. No big deal. It happens all the time. <laughs> at 700 feet. Yeah, no, but at the altitude, no fucking way, man. Um, he said, I didn't like the way it flew. Valerie asked him, what did you think about the way the reserve flew after that? <laughs> that I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it was her, it was his basic response. So, um, so yeah, I got to, you know, that was, yeah. that was really, that was I- interesting. It was really cool. But I was just like, man, that's fucking, that's kind of cool, you know? So yeah. but the way my buddy described it was even cooler. He was like, uh, he's like, man, we just, we opened and then, because it was really loud, you know, a free fall. And then we opened and it was really quiet. And then I heard my TI say, uh, well, that doesn't look right. And then it just got really loud again. <laughs> like, that's all he remembers. So, like, um, yeah. But yeah, that's pretty funny. I think the majority of cutaways I've seen in the sky is on a tandem. On a tandem, we're open high. We have more time to see. And it is so cool to show a tandem student, hey, watch, check it out, check uh, it out. That's your buddy. His parachute's messed up. We're going to do this. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> I have one so tandem cool. cutaway, and I was able to tell my student. She, she jumped with me two weeks prior. Hey, look up. See the parachute? Yeah. Remember how it was a giant rectangle last time? God. Yeah. See how it's like a big bow tie? That's called a line over. That that line is over our parachute. Go ahead and put your hands on your shoulders. So that's on. not very good. And Arch. yeah, that shoulder. Arch. Grab your harness. Yeah. And I grabbed my handles and I tapped her. Hey, feel this hand? Yeah, look over. That's called the cutaway handle. Oh I'm going to pull it. And I tap her with the air. See that handle? Yeah, that's called the reserve handle. I'm going to pull that to open the reserve parachute. Yeah. And then she was like, see okay. my pants? I just shit myself. <laughs> I'm going to go on three, two, one. You ready? Three, two, one. Keep watching. And I cut oh away. And God. I mean, her, her response was phenomenal. She said, it's like magic. It changed colors. <laughs> is what yeah, her answer that's exactly was. what happened. It's like magic. We didn't die at the end. <laughs> yeah. It's I a mean, Disney movie. Yay. This lady just watched a dude fucking pound in on a low turn that I thought oh, maybe God. we just watched the guy die. I'm not joking. I'm a full-time skydiver. Watch the dude pout in. And now I'm telling this lady, hey, watch our parachute's not working. Oh, God. Show, showing Wuffo's uh, oh, sure. cutaways is fun. So you do your second jump in 010. Uh-huh. 010. 2010. 2010. <laughs> um, when did you actually start skydiving? Yeah, so it was so um, about two, three years later in 2013. 
so I went to the army in, in 2012. Um, I enlisted pretty late in life. So, uh, I went to the guard yeah, in, okay. in 2012. So, and then, uh, you know, I got home from, from basic and then I went to, to OCS and uh, officer candidate school. So I got home and it, officer candidate school is one of those things like, man, I really enjoyed that. It's really, it'd been something I wanted to get into. And so I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm making that proverbial leap. Right. So, so I get home and, uh, and about a month later, like I had, I enlisted in ground school and then I still had to do another another tandem. So, I, um, so Kris was my instructor for ground school. And then he we finished ground school. He was like, "Hey, you want to go ahead and knock out that tandem?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, let's do this!" So we knock out that tandem. And then I think I was back the next week for um, for dive flow one. 2013. So 13. Wait, no, 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 I'm sorry. No. That means 15, 15. That makes more sense. Yeah, it's been three years. I'm like, you've been jumping five years? <laughs> I'm a horrible skydiver for five years. Dude, <laughs> it's, uh, actually, you're, you're not even for five years. Um, it's, it's, it's a big time warp for Nick and I on the, well, even in three years, how much have you seen the face, the scene, the community change in just oh, three years? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it, it yeah, it yeah. absolutely changes. So. so it's a huge season in, season out. So, so we know what the sport has done to give you hope and faith in humanity and mm-hmm. I think what's kept you in the sport you say is, is the community yeah well part of it yeah most of it part of the community you you seem to cherish the most right now is your team sure absolutely and we've actually had I think part of your team on the show before because you're part of the toxic the worst system part yeah well <laughs> Demo and Justin I think are both toxic yeah that's true who else have we had on just those two I think are the only Sorry. toxic members mm-hmm. um, but but you're you're on a toxic team as well I am which toxic team are you heavy which is so funny heavy it is because because I wear a lot of weight. Yeah, so. <laughs> Toxic Heavy really started off as a bunch of very fast fall rate folk. Mm-hmm. That's a w- really nice way to put it. Yeah, and, and uh, over you time, very fast fall rate. <laughs> you you got man, you're making fun of your own teammates. Not, well, oh, this, trust me, this is not this is uh, not unusual. So. Oh, oh no, they're, and they're a very good good group of people. Oh yeah. What is it about that team that keeps you tied to them? Because I mean, a lot of people have started on even that team. Mm-hmm. And have quit. That's how you got there. Yeah, is you filled a slot. I did. I, they, they, I, I'll tell you what they. You know, just to, to shout out to them, they took a big chance on bringing me on. I mean, I when I when I got on, I had eighty eight jumps. I had eighty eight jumps when I started with Toxic. That's right. I was less than a hundred jumps. Um, and so they they you know saw some potential. Um, you know, and I, I made a commitment to them, and and you know, and here we are. So so you know, I can't you know thank them all enough for for taking that chance on me. So. Um, man, it's just, it's such a chill team. I mean, you know, we're 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 there to be competitive. We're there to get better. We're there to better ourselves. We always say, like, our goal, our main goal is suck less. Like every training weekend, just suck a little less. Just sure. what's your goal? Is you know, our coach is is Cat uh, uh, Shouse from uh, from Spaceline Light, who's an amazing coach, and um, you know, she she always like you know she she tries to be that really like structured, organized coach, and she's like, okay, so we're gonna work out our goals for today. What what are our goals? I'm like suck a little less than we did yesterday, you know? Like that's that's <laughs> that's what we want to start with. But it's <clears throat> I mean the guys are I mean it, 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 they're so chill. Um, you know, it's just like uh, you know if we have a problem, it's not a, it's not a big deal. You know, if if we don't place first, nobody's getting you know it's we want to do better, but you know nobody's gonna storm off and just well I can't believe it. You know, it's just like hey you know, we're there like when we go to Last year went to nationals, which was an amazing, an amazing deal. It was an amazing opportunity. It was an amazing time. But you know, we, we went in with the the mindset of, hey, we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna be safe, and we're gonna hope we're gonna do pretty well. You know, we're gonna hope we're gonna do well. So, so that was an awesome. It was awesome to be. I mean, I'm, man, that was pretty solid. So, 
<laughs> I didn't hear that through my headphones very well. I though. turned no, off my I, mic. I could hear it <laughs> over my headphones. Yeah. That's how solid it was. We were talking about before the show that I used to belch on the air all the time and thought the mic couldn't hear me. But Nick, I turned off the mic. I'm learning. I thought, were, were we, I thought that was on the show. Wasn't that beginning of the show? Didn't we talk about it? I don't know. Dude, have you ever ha- walked away from the evening and had the blur of what we talked before the show and after the show? It's the story wondered, of my life, my friend. Did I say that <laughs> every, online? Every conversation I have is like, oh, did I just think that? Did that actually happen? Was that today? No, that was a month ago. <laughs> there is so much shit that we'll say the 10 minutes before the show on mic with oh, headset yeah. ons that there's no way we should say publicly. And, and I'll go to bed going, did Nick just talk about his girlfriend off the show or on <laughs> hey, the come show? on, man. Do I not Why are you throwing that? me under the bus right now? <laughs> I, I'm making that one up just to throw you under the bus. But there's definitely, like, we've talked about business things that we can't talk about or work things or, or whatever. Sure. Um, oh, my God. So the team. One of the things on the team that I really wanted to ask you tonight mm-hmm. is your team nickname. What what is your nickname on that? Too? Where where did that come from? Uh, so that so Twitch actually comes. That's a that that followed me from my from my law enforcement world into into skydiving. So uh, that is a that's a call sign that I've that I was given uh, very quickly from making making SWAT. So uh, I think Twitch and I think drug addict. Yeah, that's about, <laughs> that's about right. Okay. So uh, so, um, so in SWAT we all use we all use call signs and a lot of that is one it's fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> it but, is cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> rad. So no, but a lot of it is so when we talk about radio etiquette and um, especially in what we're doing, like we're not supposed to use names ever uh, on okay. the radio. So you never want to you know you never want to use somebody's names. And we all have badge numbers, we all have radio numbers, but because on the team we don't we don't work with each other every day. So I don't. You know, some of those guys are patrol. You know, some of those guys do some other stuff. So I don't work with them every day. So I don't know their badge numbers. I don't. I don't know their radio numbers. So, but we do know everybody. So we have call signs. So that way we know what to call somebody. So if I need, you know, like, you know, if I need to call my, you know, my sniper team leader, I can, I, you know, hey Twitch Joker, you know, hey Joker, go ahead. So, you know, he'll he'll he can I can be direct about who I need to talk to, but I don't have to use a name and I don't have to remember a, you know, an asinine or just a, just a random number. So where did Twitch come from? So if you haven't figured it out, I have a really big problem sitting still. So, uh, so, uh, and it, it was it was a lot worse when I started. And I'm just, um, um, you know, I'm just constantly moving. Uh, you know, so it was, and it's and it's it's carried over. And I do the same thing. You know, y'all like it. I, if you ever watch me, very rarely at the drop zone do I sit down. Like most, I I don't sit down a whole lot, especially on a training weekend. I won't sit down for eight ten hours. Um, and it's just how I am, you know, and so, you know, that very early on, they're like, oh, we're bringing that one over, so since you can't stop pacing while we're debriefing, um, you know, so just kind of, it kind of followed me there. I was so hoping there was some really bad tunnel flying incident story. Oh, no, there's been plenty of bad tunnel flying <laughs> incidents. They called you Twitch for. So I got a, yeah, we got a lot of time in the tunnel. There's plenty of bad incidents. So one of your teammates, and I really, I got to ask this other one, one of your teammates' nickname is Boner. It is. Why the fuck do you guys call him Boner? Well, one, he's got a giant boner in his jumpsuit, and I'm not talking about... Well, he's got two boners in his jumpsuit, I'm <laughs> sure, some of the times, but... Have you seen the boner in his jumpsuit? He has, he has, he literally has, like, a like a plush penis sewed into, like, his jumpsuit right here. Oh, that's like, nice. we showed it to Dan BC, he touched it. So, like, when we went to Nationals, we were out of Paris last year, you know, we showed it to Dan BC. So. He's got a penis sewn into his jumpsuit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, explain this to me. Hey, I, I wish I could. <laughs> so, okay, so you kind of touched your body as I say penis yeah. now. 
uh, people, a lot of people not, are I listening. I didn't touch my penis. I did not touch myself. I don't care what DJ says for the <laughs> record. A lot of people are listening to this, not watching this. So you, you like kind of motioned on the right side of your chest. Mm-hmm. He has it sewn in right to the right inside of his jumpsuit. So is it's not is it, you say it's plush? Yeah, it's like a little uh, little home penis. <laughs> Just so he's got a furry little penis inside his jumpsuit. He does. I've got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he probably really has two. So she'd appreciate that trim, Nick. <laughs> so his new one. So we all got you know we got new new team jumpsuits for this season, and his new one it's actually like three dimensional. Like it actually like. <laughs> like it's a like, pop-up. It is. Yes, like so if nice. he if he were to like unzip a little bit, like under canopy, it would just sit there and like just slap him in the face. I mean it's <laughs> it's, it's pretty ridiculous. So you gonna learn today. <laughs> man, you gonna learn today. <laughs> that's what I asked. That's why I get for asking the boner question. Yeah, man. you kinda do. I mean you kinda walked into that one. So you have done a bunch of team jumps. You were, you had eighty eight jumps when you when you started this team. How many skydives do you have now? Uh somewhere around four hundred. 400? Yeah, not too many. It, My first year was pretty slow. I got injured, not from skydiving, and, and uh, so I was out for like five months. So taking down a perp. Uh, yeah, something, something like a that. Nerp, I, purple, I took a purple. I nerp took nerp a. I took part of a round in the hand. So what? Yeah, that's where that comes from. Oh man, what do you mean you took part of part of a round? I took a ricochet, boom, right in there, and it severed a. It went in and it stopped right in the kind of the. The bones of my wrist here, and it uh, it severed a, a tendon, so I had to go back in and sew it back up. So it sucked. So was this ricochet from another officer? Yes. Was it? Yeah. Man. So just remember, friendly fire isn't. So you ain't gotta say names. You ain't gotta throw this dude on a bus. But does he still work with you? Yeah, yeah. It was it was not his fault at all. But do you give him shit every now and then? Do you like, look yeah, at him like, like oh, hey, my hand hurts right shot now, me, motherfucker? <laughs> like. You hey, sh- yeah, you remember. You shot yeah. me. Hey, man, grab me a donut. No, but yeah. you shot but you me, shot- bitch. <laughs> Dude, he was he was horrified. Like he was literally horrified. He's like, oh my god. It's like it's like it wasn't- honestly, I didn't even know what happened. I knew that I had I had I would caught it, but it so it felt like a hammer. It literally felt like like somebody had taken a hammer and just hit my hand. It's so like boom, my hand flies back. I'm like, oh my god, and it and it split it open. But I had no idea. It took me. I had no idea that there was anything in there. Like two days later. Uh, I'm, we were going down, we, we, we were registering, uh, we were running a half marathon down in, in Galveston, and I was going to registration to pick up my packet, and I get back in the car, and I turn my hand, I turn the wheel just right, and it's just debilitating pain. I'm like, oh my God. So I go to the urgent care clinic, I'm like, yeah, you got a giant chunk of lead in your arm there, buddy. And <laughs> so I was like, well, what are you going to do? You know, like, he's like, well, we'll get you in an orthopedic, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I got a half marathon tomorrow. And he's like, well, that's on you. So I was like, ah, oh, screw it. And I ran it anyway. So, um, but you know it is what it is. So they took the lead out. Then you ran the marathon. No, they took the lead out like a week later. So, so you just got bullet in your hand running a marathon. <laughs> yeah, fucking hard, man. <laughs> Dude, I can't. I can't run to the bathroom and not get tired. You run a marathon with a bullet in half, your hand. Half. I run half. A, my first. Uh, I'm running my first marathon this December in Honolulu. So, go to Hawaii to torture yourself. Yeah, sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> why, why? What? What? What makes so, you want to run a marathon? Oh, why not? I don't, you know, so I, you know, I'm I'm all about. I mean, part of skydiving is is all about challenging yourself and all about bettering yourself, right? So, I mean, that's I think that's why a lot of people skydive. Um, <laughs> newsflash: That's why a lot of people skydive. Uh, you know, it's all about uh, you know finding new things to be good at, you know, and and being better at those things. So, I mean, it's it's kind of along that that same lines. It's just all about you know, it's all about making myself better and and uh, driving myself harder and 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 yeah. So, I mean, it's. My my belief is that life should be hard. Like I don't believe in life being easy. So there's you know no Why? no easy day. So what, f- what fun is that, man? Like 
what I, I just it's just and that's just kind of me like what fun is just like sitting back and and watching life go by i mean like you know make it freaking hard you don't have to make it hard to have fun no but it, you make it hard to make it worth it you know to like you know i'd, I'd like to look back and be like fuck man that was rough that was freaking awesome you know it'll be like man i i i wrung out every last bit there was of of what i could do you know so so that's i think that's part of it my parents had a they still have a really hard time you know because obviously my wife holly is extremely driven to physically and, and as well so they're always like you know we'll go to dinner and be like oh you know we can't we can't eat a whole lot tonight all right we just gotta have a salad and they're like what do you you know why do you do this to yourself and for the longest time i was like oh, i want to be healthy you know and all that stuff and they're like it doesn't matter marathon runners drop from heart attacks and strokes all the time and i was like oh, so i couldn't do that argument and so you know, finally, I was just like, well, you know, they're like, why do you do that to yourself? And I'm like, you know what? I just, just want to fucking look good till I die, you know? And then they're like, oh, well, I can't argue with that. So, you know, I'm like, all right, great. We'll go with that. I describe it as you hate yourself enough to do it. And, uh, and the first time I told Nick that, he was like, what? No, you know? I, I think it took you saying that to me for a third time before I actually questioned what, what yeah. you meant by it. And it doesn't, it, it sounds like something that I would, would say. I just couldn't recall a specific time where that had yeah, come out of my mouth t- to you. I don't know if you've ever said it, but it definitely it sounds like you're well, vernacular. You know, it's and close. I, and what we what I tell people too, and, and especially you know training a bunch of new cadets and stuff, and, and imparting that on them is is not to get really philosophical, but you know when we talk about doing that, and we talk about going out and pushing yourself physically. You know, you should you should feel privileged and, and proud, and you know you should feel privileged that. Um, you know, especially in our line of work and in the military and whatnot, like there's so many people that do not have the ability to go out and run because they're missing limbs or they're dead. Um, and that they would give anything to be able to do what you're going to go and do to yourself. So you should feel privileged that you can still do that. You can still go out there. You can still go and run a half marathon or a marathon. You can still go out and, you know, lift because you maintain the physical ability to do that when other people don't. And you should feel proud of it. I mean, when you go out and you know, and I I see Nick there at, at the DZ all the time, and he's he's freaking you know he's he's putting in work and he's pushing himself every morning. And afterward, you you feel proud not not of what you've done, not from the gain, the gains that you've made or, or what you've done, but you feel proud that you're like you know what I chose to make myself feel like that. I chose to do that to myself, and that's that's pretty freaking badass when you really look at it that way. Like I'm choosing to do this. I mean. I'm pretty I stoked. I chose to skip the Snickers yeah, ice cream well, bar. You know, it's today. all about little victories. It's all about little victories, and that's and that's and that's what it is. <laughs> no, so. I, I, when I, was that Veterans Day, Memorial Day that I saw you out Memorial there? Day. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Yeah, Murph. 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 That's right. Okay, because I saw you getting after it, and I knew that you knew how to exercise the moment that you passed me, and you didn't try and talk to me. Yeah, like, and I can't I mean, tell you how much I appreciate that. Not not that it's like not that I don't want to say hi to someone who's friendly in the morning. It's not. But, but anyone who knows what it's like to it, have your mind in a spot right. that gets you to push through something really difficult, that person's not trying to start a conversation <laughs> yeah. with you when like, you're. Hey, buddy, you know, what's you're going on? Uh, uh, I'm freaking putting in work, man. Like, <laughs> no, I mean you always change pleasantries, and that was that was you know. And we were there so tell tell me about the workout that you did that morning. So the Murph is uh, it's a classic CrossFit workout, um, and it's the Murph is named after. Uh, Lieutenant Michael Murphy, who was, uh, he was the, uh, the the team leader for um, Operation Red Wing, so the the operation that was featured in Lone Survivor. So, um, if you saw the movie, read the book, uh, Michael Murphy was uh, to, to try, try to put something in there. He was the guy that that when they were pinned down, he crawled he crawled out onto the that 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 outcropping in order to get a radio signal, knowing that he was giving his life to do so, knowing he's he's going to die, but at least he'll he'll do it to save the rest of his team. So. Um, 
so that was so that the, the workout that was one of his favorite workouts. That was the workout he did almost every day, um, and, and that was so they they named it the Murph, and it's generally done in the CrossFit world. And I'm not a big CrossFitter, um, but it's it's one of those workouts that I've picked up, and that a lot of people have. So so you do it. It's it's generally done on Memorial Day, and it's one of those things where, you know, once again, it's it's rough. It is if you're not if you're not totally gassed afterward, you didn't you didn't really do it right. So, but it's it's one of those things where you feel a little bit more sense of, um, you know, of, of, of pride and of honor and of, and of attachment because you understand that like, yeah, this I'm, I'm sucking today and this is, this is why I have a, I have a definite reason. And then you kind of feel that connection. Like I'm going to suck it with the rest of rest of everybody else today. But man, this is a, what a, what a way to, to make myself, you know, to what a, what a thing to do to myself to make myself feel great. The Murph, uh, uh, Nick asked more about that. That that's a little bit of its history. I, what's I, the workout? Yeah, what's the because so, I yeah. So yeah, the lot. workout the workout is a mile run, uh, and then you do a hundred pull ups, two hundred push ups, and three hundred air squats, and then you finish it with another mile run. But the kicker is is that you do it in full kit, so you do it wearing a, a, a thirty pound weighted vest. So that's that's the kicker. So. But that's where. But I'm that's the kicker. Not everybody uses, I'm sure, because no, and that's you know that's that's fine too. I'm not I'm not one of those people like man. If you don't do an vest, you're a pussy. You know, like I'm not like like hey, I I'm one of those people that man. If you go out there and you do ten freaking pushups a day, fuck yeah, good for you, man. Tomorrow let's do twelve. You know, let's you know. But I'm so yeah. Not everybody does it like that, and that's fine. You know, it's it's an it's an awesome way to honor a person, to honor a service, to honor a profession, and to honor a group of people. Um, you know, when you talk about like giving and being altruistic and, and all that, like anybody can write a check, you know, time is what is most valuable to, to everyone. Time, time. Is, so when you talk about sure. giving, giving your time is, is really what's, what can be honored and giving your time in that manner. Like, you know what, not only am I going to give time to honor this person, I'm going to make this time go really slow. So by, by sucking so much, you know, by, by just, by just feeling that kind of pain. So, um, so really, on the back end, you know, when when you think about trying to honor somebody and just you know and everything, it's it's a really solid way to do it. Nick hates running almost as much as he hates water. <laughs> no, he hates water more. Um, Why do you hate water? I just uh, swimming scares the oh, shit out of me. Oh, oh, being not, in not, water. Yeah, not dr- like, yeah. Hydrate or die. The, the, the way you said it, I was like, well, I'm not afraid of drinking water. water. No, but you don't, uh, you really, you're not a big not big not a big swimmer. No, not, uh, that's, that's okay. Terrified of it. <laughs> yeah, Nick, would you have you considered trying the Murph? Would you do it? Uh, I hate <laughs> running. <Yeah. laughs> my bo- more more than I like uh, mentally hate running. My body just falls apart. Like my legs and my lower it's back, rough, man. It's I rough. Just, I just can't do and it. Older. There there are some people who are built to to run, and there are some people who are built to do other sorts of physical exercise. Like I can put myself in a miserable spot. That's not the question. Yeah, I was you know I, I was out there doing the Murph and. And he flipped a tire 876 times. So like, <laughs> it wasn't I, that many. <laughs> I was close. So like I wouldn't want to do like oh, that. Sounds like it's horrible. You know, this looks this looks horrible. I'm gonna go run. You know, and I, you know, and so you know, I went out to do the workout. I didn't think about it, and I was like, well, I know this is a half mile runway, so I can, you know, that's that's easy. Down and back, great. That's a mile. Then I was like, man, I'm running on a runway. <laughs> like I'm just, and it was early, but like the whole time I'm just like, like constantly looking over my shoulder, waiting for like. Chad or, or Majed to like come in and they're freaking. I've been running on that <laughs> runway and I think it was oh, what's Steve's last name? Steve's a pilot. He's an AF Thompson. Person. Steve Thompson <laughs> landed right behind me and I was like, oh <laughs> shit, sorry. Because I, you know, I gotta. I, I know I'm horrible. I have to run with tunes, so like, um, 
you know, kind of blocking out everything else, but some constantly just like, oh my God. Dude, I used to work on a drop zone that was on a municipal airport. Oh, no. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll own a little bit of my history and tell you that one night we were eating a bunch of mushrooms and not the fun type on pizzas. And yeah, we nice. were fucking tripping balls. And it's a public airport actively used. The schnozberries taste like schnozberries. <laughs> they did, dude. And we were actually paddling long skateboards up and down the <laughs> runway like we were surfing. Dude. I mean, we were pretty decently gone. Were you freaking out, man? Uh, no, dude. We were you chasing, are freaking out. You we were, are, we, man. We were chasing lightning bugs down the runway. Yeah, you we were freaking really out. were doing and uh, I've actually had a plane <laughs> land over us who we oh don't God. think saw us, nor did we see it till after it landed. <laughs> so uh, that's yeah, safety third here. Probably yeah. like 18 years ago now. Um, wait a minute, what year is it? Maybe 15, Jesus. 16 years ago. So a little bit different day and age yeah. of, of DJ in life. Um, when you're on the runway, you, you got to keep looking. It, it's it's a little less interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So now you, you, you've been skydiving for a while. Uh, you, you've got 400 jumps. You also are shooting video lately? Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. So one, once again, one of the reasons that I love skydiving is there's so many avenues that you can do. It's not just fall out of a plane and make it to the ground, you know? I mean, free fly, you can do four-way, you can do this. And, and you know, I've, I've, I'm no stranger to shooting video, and I've done, I've, you know, I've shot, uh, you know, a good amount, of a fair amount of video and, and um and I enjoy it. I enjoy the editing process. I enjoy putting out a good product that people like to see. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to start getting into that a little bit more. So yeah, I've been chasing some tandems and trying to trying to build that skill set. Just because it's a whole new. I oh, mean, let me go. Let me try this out. You know, and and then uh, I let I let Nick talk me into to buying a new helmet and <laughs> that should be delivered next week. So what you get? Ten uh, Fly X three. Yeah. Camera helmet. Yeah. Have you it's seen nice Tone, Tone Fly release their new uh, full face helmet? Yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah. I'm not I, impressed. I haven't seen that. It's got a. It's kind of like the Revolve. So it's got like the you know the whole whole thing comes up. You can open just the visor, or the, the visor hole. and the chin. Uh, Basically, the, it's a it's a performer with a face shield with on a chin it. guard on yeah. it. So uh, the the one <laughs> or, yeah. they have yeah and and the one thing that is the ice is their helmet that is impact protected rated. Impact oh, this, rated. this one I hear is, is it is well. also but it's five hundred and twenty fucking dollars or something like that. Well that's you know the so the Sky Systems helmet. Um, uh, Sky Helmet. Sky Systems is a different company. Oh my bad. This no yeah helmet. this is yeah. You know so that's all the I saw that you know especially in the in the tunnel community like that's all the rage now too yeah. because it's because it's impact protect which is which is fantastic. It's a nice but, looking helmet. But oh yeah without a doubt. But I mean it's it's I'm pretty sure it's right around the same price point. So I mean I can I can see that being I'm curious because uh, I, I have no proof, no evidence, but sure. I think Cookie is going to release a new helmet at PIA uh, Symposium in February. Nice. Uh, Cookie likes to release helmets or release products at the symposium. Not not every company does, but Cookie has a history of doing so. Um, that's where they, they released a couple things. And uh, I know they've been looking at different things like uh, impact protection rating mm-hmm. and and the Sky Helmet has a uh, what I would call positive closing system. Um, where the G3, if you're flying on your head, it can come open. Sure. If you, whatever. And just the right, yeah. Yeah, that positive closing system keeps it shut better. It, it's harder for it to come open randomly, et cetera. Um, and, and so I'm curious. And, and I think, uh, first of all, Tonefly makes super dope helmets, and the TFX is their new helmet. Yeah. Uh, to me, the most interesting part is them and Sky throwing out protection in, uh, rating. Man, what that does for the the, the industry as a whole, and I th- yeah, it, absolutely, and and well, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, it's and I've heard more people say, you know, like coming into the industry or coming into the into the scene, it's kind of, 
you're like, man, I'm spending like $350 on this helmet and it's, you know, just kind of a piece of foam. And, and I mean, I'm not knocking the helmet at all, but when you, when it comes to like, yeah, I, I, it's great if I get kicked in the face, kind of, um, you know, like as long as I don't kick, kick too hard, but it's really not rated to, to do a whole lot, you know? So I think that I absolutely agree that, that they're really stepping up their game and it's going to, I think it's going to change. And I think everybody's going to have to like, well, shit, now we got to freaking make something that's impact rated. So. It's so interesting how, how big of a deal it is because the G2 was the G3 predecessor, mm-hmm. and the lens is impact-resistant to a point that's, that's above and beyond anything we'd ever seen in the sport. And now here we are uh, about eight years down the road talking about it's not enough, where eight years ago it was the best and, 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 and the biggest safety evolution in helmets. Sure. So it's curious to see where it goes. You know, what, we, uh, uh, you know, what was it, in light... Um, Andre got got kicked in the he got kneed in the head you know a couple weekends ago and even with a helmet he had this giant goose egg so I mean it, you know I mean it's it's what it is yeah it's uh I've I've been kicked in the face a few times in mm. free fall in an open fit with an open face Oof. helmet um I actually have a scar on the side of my eye it, it, you can't see it as much anymore but if you look very closely there's still a scar right on my right uh, temple eye area that that's from getting kicked in the face in free fall by a friend of mine wow and yeah what kind of friend is that yeah. Uh, so definitely, I'm a huge fan of full faces. I've actually had a student in free fall flail their arms out, like just pumping them left and right, and punch me straight in the fucking nose <laughs> and bloody my nose in free fall. Is, there, is this the uh, is this the preview you saw this this helmet right here? Uh, I've got video of it, but that yeah, is the that helmet. Is that is a TFX TFC rather. So um, I'll show you some video of it, Nick, a little bit later on. A buddy of mine, uh, Brandon or Chocolate Thunder, has posted some of that video on uh, Facebook, I'd, but also I have to me. agree, it's not the most. Uh, it's not the best looking helmet I've seen. Yeah, but it's definitely got more ear protection, more sound protection. It's it's tighter fit. It's impact. It's got some nice benefits. So I got two last real questions, Josh. I want to bring to you, and the first one is the future of your skydiving career. Where where do you see your mm, your career going in the future? You know, I so you know where I'm at. I I love competing, and that's just kind of you know kind of uh, part of who I am in general. So you know, I definitely uh, I, I definitely think I'll stay in the in you know in the competition circuit, whether it's um, you know, four ways, a lot of fun. And there's a lot of people out there that do it. And there seems to be kind of a resurgence and, and interest in four way recently too. So I hope that continues. Um, but I also want to start competing in, in other disciplines too. You know, um, um, I'd love to be able to, to go and, and compete in some sort of vertical orientation at nationals next year, whether it's VFS or MFS. Um, you know, so I, I definitely, I definitely foresee that as well. And then, you know, just trying to spread, uh, spread amongst the, you know, uh, uh, my goals for the end of the year is AFFI by the end of the year, so um, by the end of the season. So that's um, it's definitely something I want to do. I, I love being a coach. I love getting out there and, and uh, you know, and, and and being able to impart what I know and, and hopefully improve somebody else's experience. So um, and then uh, and then shoot a little bit more camera. I mean, shooting camera is a lot of a lot of freaking fun. So being able to go on those, uh, you know, chasing tandems is fun because it. You know, it's. I heard somebody describe it. it's like it's like jumping with a space ball, like a really big space ball, and you get to do whatever you want around it. You know, like you get to do all <laughs> kinds of cool stuff. You know, because it just kind of sit there, right? You know, in a, in a tandem. So you get to go out there and like, it's, it's especially where I am now, where I'm just chasing tandems. And so I'm not, I'm not. There's no pressure on me to get to get fantastic video, right? So, um, so I get to try a bunch of new things, and which is really fun. But then just sharing that experience with that 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 that, uh, that tandem student is 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 pretty hella cool. So I mean, just. Just you know, just being part of that excitement too. So, so I definitely want to get uh, a little bit more into that. So, it, I say I had two more questions. I guess the first one's a two-part question. Uh, the second part of your future in skydiving 
Is there anything you, you you've been in the sport for really only three years, yeah. but it's been a three very full years uh, overall. You've been very active and and you've done well for yourself in the sport as far as how you've progressed and, and educated you. yourself. And oh, you're welcome, man. Thank you because you've been a positive impact on those around you. What advice would you give to others to help create that longevity, that enjoyment that I really want to keep doing this for years? So, uh, you know, I think that's kind of a and that's kind of a twofold answer. You know, it's it's the first is to those that are that are kind of coming up in the sport. And that's to to not be afraid to 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 do new things with new people um, in many different ways. Um, no. So don't be afraid to, you know, like. Mm. <laughs> I was wondering if we're gonna hear that. <laughs> <laughs> my nights are filled. Um, so so are my pants. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, you know, as as a new jumper, don't be afraid to. You know, s- sometimes it's intimidating, um, but it, the vast majority of people in the skydiving community are freaking rad. And if you go up to them and be like, "Hey, um, I need help with this," or "Hey, I'm working on this. Is this something you can help me with?" Man. 99.9% of everybody like, yeah, man, let's let's do that. That's, that sounds cool. Yeah, I can help you with this. So, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, hey, look, I know we haven't jumped together, but I'm looking for somebody to jump with, you know. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, let's go, let's go do that. And then on the flip side to, to the community that exists out there, it's it's kind of the reciprocal of that. Like, you know, I mean, I've had I've had the opportunity and of people that I would never have gone up and asked to do a jump come up to me and be like, hey, what are you doing today? You want to jump today? I'm like, uh, are you serious? Yeah, let's, let's come to a jump. Um, okay. So, and that's, you know, and some people that I've known, some people that I haven't known. So, especially when I was newer. So, you know, for the community that exists, which which happens pretty often, obviously, but to continue that, to to bring new people into the fold, you know, to to try to, you know, I don't I don't see a lot of what we'll call badge protecting. I don't see a lot of people being like, no, you can't come to this jump because I don't want you to get better than me. You know, I don't want you to be, you know, I, I, I'm the best, you know, angle flyer. I don't, I don't you know, there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of that in this sport. So, um you know, continue, continue doing that, continue bringing new jumpers into the fold. Cause it's only, you know, and you guys had demo on the show and you know, one of the things he says about four way, he says, I, I'm constantly like trying to bring new people into four way so that I always have somebody to jump with, you know? So I, you know, if I want to, I always have somebody to fly four way with. And that's, you know, Hey, the more that you reach out to these new as experienced jumpers, the more you reach out and be like, yeah, maybe you are, you know, a badass angle flyer. And you know, these people are just, you know, man, oh, I'd love to get into that, but man, I can't, I'm not going to go fly with them. Hey, let's go, f- let's go fly. You know, let's go, let's go jump, you know. I mean, very recently, you know, um, Stephen Boyd, you know, came up to me the other day, and, and he was like, hey, I was I was coaching one of the rookie teams. And he's like, hey, you done coaching? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. He goes, you want to go on a jump? I'm like, what? So he's like, yeah, let's go on a jump. You know, and we actually went on a couple jumps, and, you know, and, and of course, you know, Stevie's he's just like that, you know, but um, he, it sets a good example of, you know, obviously I'm sure he'd love to go and, and do some crazy badass, you know, vertical shit with some people, but... You know, he came and freaking, you know, meandered along with my handicap, freaking my handicap sit, you know, my sit try. So uh, in, in, in efforts to make me better, hey, try this, do this, do this, you know, we're going to do this. And and so that's that that is what keeps people in this sport. It's, you know, if if I came into the drop zone and, and nobody would just because I'm new and nobody wants to jump with me and stuff like that, I'm probably not going to stand very long. So I think that's one of the biggest things that, that it, but that's once again, it comes back to the, back to the community, you know, and that's, that's what keeps people in the sport is, is the people. It's the people by far are, are my favorite part of it. So the last question I have for you is, is you're a very positive person and we kind of started the show with the humanity of your life and being a police officer and how that's brought you down. But despite it all, and through skydiving, you stay a very upbeat person. Yeah, absolutely. 
what advice would you give the average person? Because the average person doesn't have skydiving as an outlet. That's too bad for them. Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> and even as a skydiver, sometimes we get so used to skydiving that we forget to use skydiving as that passion, mm-hmm. that motivation to be fulfilled in life. What advice would you give a person to stay positive, to keep the outlook that you have? So, you know, a lot about a lot of it is is about controlling what you can and not worrying about what you can't, you know. I mean, there's only so many things that that it, sometimes at the end of the day, the only thing you can control is your attitude. Sometimes there just isn't anything else that you can freaking have effect over. So if that's the case, you know what? Then I'm going to have control over my attitude, and I'm not going to worry about the rest of it. Um, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to say there's there's silver lining in every cloud. You know, I mean, you you can sometimes try to find that that silver lining, but um, you know, I, I try to th- even failures. I mean, man, failures are the the way we learn, right? I mean, that's the biggest. That's that's what teaches us more than anything else. So even on your some of your biggest failures, like man, I'm, I'm no, I'm not gonna do that again. So hey, look, you know, you, there's ways to be to be positive about it, and a lot of it's just being driven. You know, continue to to find something that you're passionate about and find something that that drives you and motivates you. Everybody has different motivation, but um, find what your motivation is. Sometimes for some people, that's man, I, I you know, I just you know, I, I, I want to be around other people. Some people, it's money might be their motivation. Some people might just be the spirit of competition, you know, whatever it might be, bettering themselves, whatever it is, but find your motivation and start catering, catering the things that you do towards that motivation. And, and that will, it's, it's, it'll be kind of like a, like a cyclical, cyclical engine, you know, like, you know, if my motivation is always bettering myself, well, then I'm always going to try new things. You know, that's, that's really easy. Always bettering myself. Well, then I'm going to do something that I suck at because the second time I do it, I'm going to be better. And the third time I do it, I'm going to be a little bit better. And holy shit, you know, now I take something that I really suck at and I'm, I don't, I suck a little less at it now. So that's my motivation. Oh man. So now I'm positive about it. Oh man, I sucked at that, but now I don't suck as much. So, so figure out what your motivation is and then cater what you do, whether it be in your professional life, in your social life, in your, you know, hobby or whatever, cater to your motivation. And, and once again, it'll kind of take itself over and then it'll just drive each other. So, um, yeah, that was a really complicated answer to a really simple question, I think. But uh, it was a phenomenal answer, man. I I don't think, I, I think the way you've answered all of tonight's questions has been mm. fucking wonderful. Yeah, I, you know. I, I like it. Well, I appreciate well, that. I have one last question. Then uh, we we kind of talked a lot about the uh, struggles and challenges of of being a police officer, sure. and I'm really curious <laughs> for for you, uh, what's the most rewarding part about being a police officer? You know, I always get that question. So, you know, so, man. So, not to be, uh, you know, not to be too terribly cliche, but if you've ever seen Deadpool, <laughs> it's yes. like that. No, I'm kidding. It's not like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please so, tell me you're Deadpool. It's, yeah, it's, it's just like that. So, um, so at the end of Deadpool, what is the Colossus, the big steel dude, right? Yes. You know, he talks about he talks about how, you know, I'm just, I'm not sitting here, I'm not comparing anybody to to being a hero, but what he says is that. You know, being a, people think being a hero is a full-time job, and it's about having those two or three moments in your life where you make a good decision and you make a decision that's outside of yourself. And that's really what it is. You know, a lot of us will put up with years of just just not great working environment and dealing with the, the crap that we have to deal with in order for those two or three moments that make it that make it worth it. Um, you know, and that's and it's and it's sometimes it's little things, sometimes it's big things. You know. Um, Santa Fe was a big thing. Um, and that's one of the things that, um, you know, for me makes, man, I I could take years of suck, um, to make being able to be there, um, and being able to do what we got to do, that makes it worth it. You know, I wouldn't, uh, there's nowhere else that I would have rather been, um, than 
doing what I was doing with the people that I was doing it with. And that is what makes it worth it. Being, being, being able to, look, I'm going to put up with all this crap in hopes that one day I can be there to, to make a giant difference in somebody's life. You know, and, and like I said, what I see as giant may be, maybe minor to them, but, um, or maybe giant to them and minor to me. But, um, so that's what you look for. You look for, um, you know, maybe when you show up, it might be somebody's worst day of their life, but when you leave, maybe it's, maybe it's not, maybe, um, what was the worst day of their life is, you know, now one of the, the, the changing points and you've made, you've made a difference. And, and it's not, people are like, you know, they try to this macro level, like, I want to make a difference in the, you know, the, the nation. I want to make a difference in the state. Oh, screw that, man. If I can just make a difference in that person, you know, if I can make a difference in that person, like that's what drives it is, is a very, very minuscule level of, of making small differences, you know, and, and sometimes that's, you know, sometimes that's an event like Santa Fe, you know, then sometimes it's, you know, you know, you're at a, a family violence event and, and you give a kid a teddy bear and, you know, and holy crap, you know, his, his world is just completely changed, you know, just, a, you know, a small gesture like that, something that took, you know, 20 seconds out of your day. So, so you really try to look for those, those moments. Um, and, and you really try to savor them because that's, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it's about. And that's, I mean, that's definitely what drives me is, um, is when I can see that, when I can see that change and when I can see that what I've done, be it bad, good or indifferent, has made an impact, not on the community, not on the state, not on the nation, not on the world, but in one person, it's made an impact. I love that, man. It's, it's such a beautiful statement. Uh, a, we're going to have to have you back for a second show. And that second show, that second visit, I want the SWAT life. I want to get SWAT stories. Yeah, and, and I think one of, the thi- one of the things I wanted to ask you tonight, and I never got to, and I just found out, is you did respond to the Santa Fe school shooting. I did. And I'm gonna just going to leave Along it back. Along with a lot of other people. A ton of people, a ton of heroes. Uh, a, a ton of heroes. A ton of people. A ton of people. I mean, you know what, man? I don't care what you guys say to me. You're heroes yeah. because you're there to protect and serve. I feel yeah. safe every day because of guys like you. Sure. Even if you don't do but anything, you might have saved me today, right? I mean, your presence. You said it earlier. So I, I do appreciate you guys. And, and we'll get more into the story next time if you, if you don't mind uh, yeah, uh, some of the fun SWAT stories. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll do a little background uh, 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 research before, I, before you show up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... I want you to tell, I guess, one last story. Nick, Nick made me ask a que- one, made me think of one question. We so much hear the negative publicity of police officers today. Mm-hmm. The what? What is the most rewarding thing you've ever done as an officer? Most rewarding moment you've ever experienced? Oh man! Oh, shit! Uh, way to put him on the spot. No Jesus. kidding! Like this is not this. I did not prepare for this. Um, man, I don't. I mean, I think that kind of proves that that's how much we don't think about your life and your job is that kind of job. You would think that you would know that answer. Yeah, you know, but and people don't talk about it. No, we really, you know, because it's it's just one of those, you know, the, one of those things that, you know, hey, you get a little, you know, and really now, in, in my position now, you know, I'm not on the street as much. Um, and what I tell people is I work for other police officers now. So that's my job. My job is to make sure that the guys that work for me have what they need. They have a safe environment to do it in. And that, um, you know, they, they want to come to work. So right now, like, and this is just because it's, you know, the theory of recency, right? Like, um, I try to do a lot to make that happen for them. And so, like, right now, like, one of the most rewarding things is when, uh, 
you know, when they come up, when one of the guys that works for me comes up, man, man, I really appreciate you doing that, man. That was badass. You know, just the little things like that. Um, because now, like I said, now I work for police officers. And, uh, but man, that's, that's so, you know, that's, that's, I'll tell you, know, you like what, I said, man. Santa Fe was, you know, because it's recent yeah. and it was a really big deal. Um, getting to interact with some of the, the kids um, afterward and then some of the other officers there yeah. uh, was, um, you know, extremely, um, extremely rewarding. And, um, you know, just to, 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 to hear from them and, and to, to, like I said, to be able to, to know that we were there doing some good stuff and, and doing it with good people. So. Oh man, I appreciate what you what you guys do. I uh, as I told you, there's a lot of officers who live in my neighborhood, and I feel it's a lot safer just knowing that one of the entrances into my neighborhood has got a police cruiser sitting there every day. I'm sure it helps. Oh, it's just, I'm sure it helps. He walks his police dog through this neighborhood <laughs> every day. <laughs> I love you. I won't say your name, yeah. um, but I really appreciate all all that you guys do. As, as much as y'all have bad publicity, man, really th- well, appreciate thank that. you and every so officer. We always out we always there. tell you know we always say you know we. we you know, some people will come up and hey, thanks for what you do. And, and I always, you know, some cops are like, um, okay, because it's kind of weird. But, you know, I always, I always tell people, you know, we, I can't tell you and thank you enough for your support. You know, it's because that's really what gets us, um, you know, through day to day is just the support that we get from, from the vast majority of great people out there. Man, guys, gals, next time you're out there, next time you see an officer in public, next time you pass, pass a police officer, smile and nod at him and ask him, how are you doing today? That it smells like bacon. We it love, we like love that. <laughs> I, I bet you just greeting an officer alone makes them feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Nick, you're good. You're done. You got any last questions? No, I'm good. That's it. So, Nick is queuing up our new music for the evening. Ooh, I'm excited. Till then, Justin Grubbs did not get to join us tonight. He'll be back with us soon. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Till then, guys and gals, this is Gravity Lab Radio. This is NWA and... Fuck the police. These guys were out. Go at it, punk, and I'ma fuck you up. Make you think I'ma kick your ass. But drop your cat, and Red's gonna blast. I'm sneaky as fuck when it comes to crime. But I'ma smoke them now and not next time. Smoke any motherfucker that sweats me. Any asshole that threatens me. I'ma snipe him with a hell of a scope. Taking out a cop or two. They can't cope with me. The motherfucking villain that's mad. With potential to get bad as fuck So I'ma turn it around Put in my clip, yo, and this is the sound Yeah, something like that But it all depends on the size of the gap Taking out a police would make my day But a nigga like Rand don't give a fuck to say Fuck the police